Episode 47 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. One of these days we'll like be on time for shit. Or early, I guess. We're somewhat on time. Uh, life got in the way. And Katie, if you might watch it, notices that Katie's not here, but there's a plate of food and a drink. Uh, I didn't just feed the air. She'll be here. She's she's doing parent stuff and helping our kid with homework. Because, I mean, it's math, so it's definitely not going to be. Are we live? We're live. Okay, I was paying super good attention. <laughs> oh. Anyways, uh, it's episode 87. Hey, everybody that's watching. Uh, this is episode three of Hot Toberfest. So, so yeah. Let me go ahead and do our sponsor stuff real quick. I will. We'll wait for Katie so she can do do our rack sponsor. <laughs> but I will go ahead and talk about Herb's Reptile Shows. Because, uh, unfortunately, I don't actually get to go to any of them anytime soon. But... Uh, the next reptile show is going to be October 23rd, 24th this weekend in temple, which uh, I will not be at because again, parents stuff Our our daughter has something, a music thing on Friday and then a softball, two softball games on Saturday. So Robert, I will not be there. Yep. But, but Robert will be there. Yes, I will. In temple. I'm trying to remember. Oh, temple. That's the, okay, I do remember that one. I think I've only been there like once. Temple? Yeah. Yeah, I think we've done the show twice. It's a good venue, though. That's a big venue. Yeah, I like the venue. That is a nice venue. Like five minutes from uh, Bucky's. Oh, that is true. You can see Bucky's from the parking lot. Mm-hmm. That is true. So if anybody's going there, just go by Bucky's and get you some beaver nuggets. And if you don't know what we're talking about when we say beaver nuggets, you really got to make it to Texas. Actually, you don't have to make it to Texas to go to Bucky's anymore. You can go to one in, you can go to two of them in Alabama. There's one outside of Mobile and one outside of Birmingham. And then they're building the largest Bucky's ever in Tennessee. Yeah, thanks, suck a dick. <laughs> Robert's not happy that the largest Bucky's ever gets to be made in Tennessee and not Texas. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, it's gonna, I think it's going to be like an attraction. There's going to be a whole bunch there. And it's like the intro to the Smoky Mountains and all that. Um, and if anybody's thinking we're just talking about a gas station, it's not just a gas station. You've, you've, you got to go to a Bucky's. It's the best place on earth to take a shit outside of your own home. Yes. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, you have your own private stall. Floor to ceiling walls, right. actual door, and there's like thirty stalls in there, so there's always one open. Depends on which one you go to. That's true. If you go now, there is a Bucky's locally that is literally just a gas station. Yeah, there's uh, several of them. It's not even, but like it's not even like the one that's closest to our home is a gas station, but it's still got like all the food and everything. Mm-hmm. There's one I went to that threw me off. I got into it and oh, it was the other in a Pearland. Yes, just yeah. a gas station. Yeah, there's like no different. food. It's a, it's a convenience store. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a letdown when you see the name Bucky's. Yeah, you pull in there and you're like, well, shit. The bathroom's clean, though. Yeah, it's got a nice bathroom. There is a nice bathroom. Yep. See, Tracy said you mean it's a great place to watch YouTube videos. Uh, that's true, to watch YouTube videos. It is. It's a nice little place to watch well, YouTube videos. Well, so until recently, they didn't have Wi-Fi in the stores and the service sucked. Oh, that's true. So you can't do, can even like scroll Facebook. But you can do it now. I had to play like games that didn't require the internet. But... It's yeah. kind of sucks to through the janitor there. I don't care. If I'm, that's not my problem. That's their problem. Yeah, they do. I heard it's not. They pay them pretty well. Yeah, the pay the pay there is insane for a gas station. It's yeah, well above minimum wage. But you should definitely go to a Bucky's. Uh, I like their turkey bacon sandwiches. They make get there. Uh, yeah, a million beef jerky flavors. This is now turned into commercial for Bucky's. But that was one of the selling points of my daughter when we moved to Texas. <laughs> I told her, "Hey, there'll be a Bucky's right down the street from our house." 
and she was super excited. So this is so weird having my wife's computer because none of my passwords are in here. None and of my like, and it's all like naked guy porn and not naked women porn. Uh, you know, couple and of naked. You know, women. it's yeah, it's strange. Uh, Watch out for all those dicks. Yeah. Uh, speaking of <laughs> speaking of dicks, let's go back to the Herb Reptile Show, uh, Amarillo, Texas, October thirtieth and thirty first. Uh, that's out there on the other side of Texas, which is the other side of the world. Yeah. And then Lafayette, Louisiana, November 6th and 7th. I'm looking forward to that one because uh, we're fat and we plan things around food and there's a lot of good food there. Yeah, that's going to be a good show, I hope. And our buddy Gina is making the food for the uh, for the event. So if you're there, go by concessions. Get some uh, gumbo and I know she's doing gumbo. Maybe red beans and rice. I don't know. I don't know. That's the first I've heard of it. She's on here though. She has totally said it before. Uh. <laughs> Thank well, you, Will. Welcome, Will. Will said first time watching in the first five uh minutes talking shits and talking dicks. Yeah, we it's all a lot of dick and shit talk. Yeah. That's what happens when Katie is not here for the beginning of the episode. Um but Lafayette is November sixth and seventh. You can also go to Prejeans when you're in Lafayette. Red beans Ooh, Gina will have red beans and rice there. Sweet. <laughs> And then the last show of the year is Austin, Texas, December 4th or 5th. So it's your last time to get some uh, some Christmas presents. Austin, Texas. And then, uh, is it the last one? There's a yeah, that's there's the last one of the year. There's a Slidell slide one. Slidell, yeah. There's two. Oh, there's two. Okay, there's two in December. My bad. They're back to back. Slidell is December 11th or 12th. So that is your last chance to get some uh, Christmas presents. Slidell is always a big show. So I would definitely recommend coming to the Slidell show. If anybody out there is like, man, I really want to get to a Herp show. Slidell and Conroe. Those are the two. Yeah. Uh, Gina said there will also be hot dogs and chili cheese. So, more wieners. As long as the chili doesn't have beans in it, Gina. Well, hot dog chili shouldn't have beans in That's it. That's a good point. But No, no chili should have but beans. But fuck all you Texans. I like beans in my chili. Well, yeah. I like some hardiness to my chili and without beans. It's just meat sauce. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. No, no, no. Meat sauce. Uh, no. If it's you're out there, beans in it, it's soup. if you're out there, don't listen to Texans. Put beans in your chili, unless it's on hot dogs. Don't we all agree that hot dog chili needs no beans? That's just gross. Good, Gina. Good job. We're still friends. <laughs> um, also, sponsors talking about Wiregrass Exotics. If you're anywhere out near Southeast Alabama, go to Ozark, Alabama. Visit Wiregrass Exotics. The Rue is out there. Uh, Go out and check out their venomous snakes, the collection. Talk to them. They're awesome people to talk to. I'm like scrolling through here like, why does none of this Facebook shit look right? It's Rachel's Facebook account. <laughs> I got to log out log into mine. And uh, since since I saw Ashley Howdy on there, I'll go ahead and point out my sign again. If anybody that's actually watching, if you're not watching and you're just hearing me talk about a sign that's behind me and you can't see it. But it's our Reptile Gumbo Podcast on-air sign that was made by the Howdies over at Focus Cubed. Uh, I still love this thing. Every time I walk in, I'm like, it's, it's amazing. Uh, Sean Gray was here last week. Before I even was at my house, and he took a picture in the in the podcast room. I saw that without me here. So, and then the sign is in it. Actually, he tagged me in it. I guess. Yeah. Um, and then Katie's not here, so I guess we don't need to talk about our rack sponsor. I'll try it. Here we go. Are you looking for a high quality PVC rack? Look no farther than Lone Star Reptile Racks. You can blah, 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 yada, 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 yada. Buy a rack from Lone Star Reptile Racks. That's that's the uh, that's the pitch. If you, yep. need a, if you need a rack, buy a rack from Lone Star Reptile Racks. There's a lot of uh, cool stuff coming. Uh, cool acrylic stuff mm-hmm. coming. Um, stuff that y'all don't get to see, but I get to see. Really cool uh, acrylic cage. So I think a lot of people are going to like 
It's a great display cage. You may even see it on tables. It shows a display animal. Yeah, it'll be there this weekend. Ah, there you go. Make it a temple and you it's, see it. It's the prototype. There'll be yeah. some changes. We talked about yeah. some changes. And yeah, things. the locks will be different. And, um, but yeah. But it's a great stackable acrylic cage. You just see it to believe it. But it's going to be really, I think it's going to be great for displays at shows. Just yeah. the, the, forget the old tower version where they're still cramped in there and in a circle on a tower. You can stack these and actually they're longer and so you can. Yeah, they're 30. Let me think. 30 by 12 by nine and a half. Yeah. So and, and then they have a cool, they fit inside of a cool PVC frame so that the that acrylic has, doesn't take any built in heat. stress. The frame has built in heat oh, in sweet. it. sweet. And uh, has 12 inch heat tape. So, you know, it takes up about a third of the tank, a little over a third of the tank on the one side. And, um, it's really good for geckos, you know, anything that wants belly heat. It's not really tall enough for anything to put, uh, to put like radiant heat panels or anything in. Yeah. It's not tall enough. No, it's, it's a small cage, but it's, yeah, but it's a really, it's a neat size for that, for like a leopard gecko, great for a leopard gecko or a fat tail or, yeah. And like yeah. just the, the view, it gets a whole different look. Like so once, once it gets ironed out, we'll get the official, official one. We'll post it up on the, on the Facebook page. Yeah. I haven't even put a picture of it out yet. Mainly yeah. because all the pictures I have suck. <laughs> so uh, if you're in Temple, you can go see it. But it is nice. So this week, uh, before we get to our guests and everything, uh, we did something cool this sun on this past Sunday. We did. Um, we woke up and didn't, I don't know how I didn't know it was happening. You knew it was happening. And, and I was like, hey, do you want to go to this? But um, one of our local, my brain's been blank. I know her name in my brain. Megan. Megan's going to listen to this go away. I'm not gonna try her last name. Sab, Sab It's it's look. It's it's Western European. Sablikovic. It's a Western European or Eastern European last I need name. To ask her how to say that. Just it's one of those last names that like you saw in an '80s movie and they were the bad guy. Yeah, we're we're gonna um we're gonna Google the shit out of this. <laughs> but Megan, uh, she runs a really cool Facebook group for around where we live, and it's like the very small neighborhoods, like communities that we're in, and it's uh, a snake ID group. A lot of people post things in there. She she'll go and remove remove snakes from people's houses. Uh, their garages and everything. And she did an educational talk this past Sunday. Um, she did very good. It was her first one to adults. And I think it went well. She brought corn snakes, rat snakes. Uh, I brought over my king snake, my special king snake. She had a bull snake. I had a pine snake. It was, it was neat. There was a lot of people there. I, I was surprised on a Sunday morning for a show about snakes. Yeah, there was over 30 people. Over 30 people there. So that was an enjoyable thing to go do Sunday. It is the 2,460,000th common name in the, in the world. So not that common. Yeah. It's there's not only Smith. 46 people with that last name in the whole of the United States. <laughs> and Megan's a t- probably related to all of them. Yeah. And that's her husband's last name. So oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's whew. it's, it's got a lot of like consonants in yeah. there that you just don't know how to pronounce them. It's, um, her, her maiden name apparently was Hester. So I'm going to go with that one that's, for now. That's an easier name. Until I ask name. her how to say it. Because I don't like butchering people's last names. And usually if I hear a name once, I, I got it. I also got got a present from you came in today. Yes. And anybody that's watching, you can see. I got the the new calendar, the ball python calendar done by, I get used to it, Canova Reptiles and Brittany Gobble. It's amazing photography. Uh, I will get it hung up behind us somewhere on the wall. But it's an awesome calendar that I'm looking forward to looking at. Uh, I suggest I'm not even a ball python person, but I love the photography in it. Mm-hmm. So very creative. Um, yeah, this is the job. second one they've done. I think. I think it's the second one. If not, it's the third one. They did. I know they did one last year. I think maybe the second one. But Bernie Gobble does amazing photography. So check it out. 
I guess Katie will be here at some point. I don't know when she'll be here. Yeah, you know. I'm trying to think if there's anything else going on this past week that I need to bring up. But I think we're good. Robert's little red hamster in his brain is running around. All right. So let's go ahead and get to our guest. So our guest, it's a two-part guest. We have two of them. One of them is running late. Uh, and once I say his name, everybody will understand. He's he's on his own schedule. <laughs> but, uh, but again, it is hot Toberfest. The theme has all been venomous stuff. And so we decided what better than a company that has it in the name. So I'm going to bring in our guest, Chris Woodcock from Venom Life Gear. How's it going? And from now on, we're going to refer to him as Woody. So if anybody hears to say Woody, that's who it is. But, there you go. But awesome. also you'll see Chris. So how's it going, Woody? Uh, very good. Thanks for having us on. It's great. Yeah. For anybody else who doesn't know who the other guest it's it'll be Brent uh, from Venom Life, but he'll be on here at some point when he gets home and he's doing Brent stuff. But but Woody's the one that, like, if you go to a show and see somebody working, it's going to be Woody. Oh, man. <laughs> Brent, well, Brent, Brent's you know, the one you'll hear. It's, it's kind of funny because I, I always say that Brent is out strumming up business, and he's very good at that. He's the person that everybody gets to talk to. And, he, you know, I don't have to tell you how much of an uh, outgoing personality that Brent has. He's everybody's favorite. You know, and then he got me, this kind of quiet guy in the back that just sits there and just, yeah, I fold clothes, sell stuff, and yeah, so. But you do a yeah. lot, so for anybody that hadn't seen Venom Life Gear at this point, uh, and you're in the hobby, you're probably under a rock, because y'all have done all the big shows, you've done some of the Herp shows, your Brent's been on 7,000 podcasts at this point, I mean, huh. uh, yeah. weirdly enough, he hasn't been on one like a month and a half, which I think he's having withdrawals. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably about right. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny because we still go to shows, and I am always surprised. I just thought, you know, if you get a big presence on social media, and you're possibly talked about, I just assumed that a lot more people would know about us. And we still run into people all the time that say, "Never heard of you. Don't know what that is." Everybody so. should check it out. It's amazing. So you started out it was kind of basic. It was uh, we'll talk about the hooks in a second, but shirts and and hats very basic shirts and hats but y'all have exploded here lately right yeah um in 2019 february 2019 we did the arlington show uh, the arlington and arbc show and that was the first time that we ever exposed the venom life gear products or apparel line to the world and um it was really surprising because we really didn't know what to think was going to happen and um not that we brought a lot of stuff, but we did bring quite a few different uh, pieces and sizes, and we almost sold out of everything we brought. Awesome. I think <laughs> that was me. the first time I saw it, because I watched, I think it was a Brian Cusco video where he was at the show. Yes. And, and when that was the first time I saw y'all on there was the Brian Cusco video. And right. uh, and and I've told Brent this before, the logo and the way it looks, it may, y'all look like a very large company, when in reality, it's the two of you. Uh, well, it's right. you and then Brent talking to people. Uh, right, but that logo is amazing. I think that's it's very simple. It's the point across, and it sticks out. It's one of those. It's like a Nike logo. That thing just it. It's very obvious what it is when you see it. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard the story, but we literally put it out to uh, um, a group of some artists, and this one guy, you know, sent us back five things, and that was number two of the five. And as soon as we saw it, we were like, well, we don't got to look at anything else. This is it. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I thought we'd be sitting there for weeks yeah. waiting for these people to get stuff back to us and have to choose that way. But it worked out amazingly. So we got very lucky. That, that's kind of how I do it with my logo. I went on Fiverr 
found this guy yeah. who had a style of that I was had in mind. Yeah. And I sent him my idea. He's in Mexico City. Uh, it was like 55 bucks. He sent me back one and I was like, we'll tweak this and fix this. And he sent it back and it was exactly what I wanted. And cool. I thought, it, I thought it was going to be a pain in the ass process. And it turned out to be super easy. And hey, and before I forget, because I heard you guys talking about this before, there are three Bucky's in Florida now. Oh, that's yeah. right. I do remember them building one. We went to Venom, uh, not Venom, Carpet Fest. On the way back, they were building one. I do remember yeah. that. There's three of them now in Florida. Yep. I mean, want you to forget about us. <laughs> we, we try, but Florida makes the news all the time. So, mm. our Florida man, Florida man, that is a weird thing. That like, it, it's so weird that when you see a fucked up story in the news, you could say, "I bet it's Florida," and ninety five percent of the time, it's fucking Florida. <laughs> yeah, but keep in mind something. You know, us Floridians, those those of us who are actually born here. We're a rare breed. Everybody else that lives here comes from all those northern states like That's New York, New Jersey, Michigan, <laughs> Pennsylvania, Ohio. You know, they all come down here. That is true. So, a, a natural born Florida so, person's even weirder. So, talking yeah. about Florida. Uh oh. Um, oh, by the way, Katie's back. I'm nice. here. My daughter, Katie. she needed help with math. We're learning how to use. And you're the one to do it, right? Yes. <laughs> I am a life science teacher. Well, I'm not a math teacher. Apparently, her math teacher hates the way that this program is teaching how to add and subtract percents. Common so, core math? I, no, it's not. Um, don't get me started on that soapbox. Well, that's, that's there's actually no such thing as common core math. What that's you hate same, yeah, is the curriculum that the district chose to teach a math standard that they just want everyone in the country to learn. Soapbox. Don't even right. get me started on that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, Damn. Anyways, Moving on. <laughs> fuck. Um, on my lunch break today, I've been watching on Disney Plus. They have a little segment. It's called the best job ever. And it's little one to two minute clips. And one of the guys was an eighth generation Floridian. Jesus Christ. And, That's got to be one weird motherfucker. Right. Well, he was actually really cool. But was that his job? Just he, being an eighth no, generation? No, he's a Florida? photographer. Like he travels around and he photographs like the manatees and the places in Florida that haven't been impacted by buildings and things. So, like that one like place, that. that one place in Florida that hasn't been impacted by everything. I mean, pretty much. But, yeah. um, but his team, like, it, it, I actually wrote down information. It's sitting on my desk at school, but I wrote down information because I, I really want to like look this guy up and what his team does because it seemed really cool. They're all about conserving your your backyard, basically, and that was his whole thing. Was anybody can be a wildlife photographer? Just go outside and see what you can find in your backyard, and. Yep. But like you know, not all people from Florida are weird. That was what started <laughs> not, this. Not all, but it, but it does help. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I'm an accidental Floridian. I was uh, conceived in California and basically brought back to Florida to be born. So, yeah. So, oh, just dropped off. Just makes... dropped off in Florida and left, and yeah. raised by an alligator. Exactly. That's how that yeah, works. A group of woodcocks. <laughs> oh, I, I'm so, I'm slight ADD moment. So we were in here the night for uh, for the Zoom call that Chris from Snakes and the Fat Man does every other Sunday, mm -hmm. and I've got the door open to the little closet that all my eye spots are in, and one of them had itty bitty yellow mushrooms on Sunday, and I looked over there now, and they're fucking huge yeah. mushrooms. Massive. Logan's um. Dairy cows. I opened them up last night, and there's like these giant, giant yellow, yellow mushrooms. mushrooms. I've had them every now and then grow, and they just is like, that Andy's dirt? 
Yeah, it's probably in the dirt. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't uh, hurt anything. No, no, they, they die, and then they get eaten by the isopods. But they were itty-bitty, like, look like a little small, back to the dicks and penises, just stuff. the little tiny penises. <laughs> they do. And now they're just big, massive, like, fern gully-type uh, mushrooms in, in my tub. It's, it's so weird. I see that every now and then pop up on people's uh, little, little in bioactive stuff. They'll go, oh, no, I'm growing these mushrooms. What should I do? And I'm like, leave it. It's bioactive. Like, you, right. you, you made outside into a tank. Just let outside be outside. I also, all my iSpots are in here. Uh, I don't know if I... Did I ever talk about why I had to move my iSpots on the podcast? I don't know. Uh, I don't think you You say ever. a lot, and I can't remember. I know, that's true. I, you haven't <laughs> talked about this on the podcast at all. Uh, so, I'll, so I'll bring it up, because it's, it's, a, it's a negative, uh, but it has been taken care of, and it's better now, and it's something that everybody... Not everybody, but most people have to go through at some point. Yeah, we're dealing with it right now. Uh, Rachel spent five hours dealing with it today. Yeah, 18 years in the hobby, and uh, I finally got mites. And the don- I, I moved to Texas, and then all of a sudden, bam, my entire collection is... I mean, it was fucking crazy, the amount of mites on my snakes. And it was happened overnight. We ended up with them. At, so far, she's only found them on the Doomerals bows that are in quarantine. And one rack of ball pythons. Give it time. But she's treating every yeah. single snake... Every single snake, um, 150-ish snakes. Yeah, it's crazy. How and but we got I got one under control. I, I'm using I use several different types of mite preventative or uh, treatments, and then I hung some of those uh, no pest strips in my room to help keep down mm-hmm. on the mites growing back. But I had to move the whole reason I said that was because I had to move my ice pods across the house because if I put the no pest strips in there with my ice pods, and I want people to know this because you'll see a lot of people suggest uh, to hang no pest strips in your reptile room, which is fine. Just make sure you don't have spiders. And isopods in there because I had to move all my spiders and isopods in this room. That yep, I asked somebody one time when I was breeding uh, coleonics, those uh, banded geckos from out west. I was breeding those things, and the uh, crickets I was keeping kept dying. And I walked into something—I forget where I was—some either a pet shop or I went to a hurt meeting or something. I happened to say something. Do you have any idea why my crickets keep dying in my room? And the first thing I said was, you got no pest strips in your room? And I said, yeah. He goes, there you go. And as soon as they came out of their mouth, I was like, oh, God, that's such an easy one. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, there's no pest strips. The fumes break down the uh, the exoskeleton on those things and kill them. Uh, which, it won't hurt your snakes. It won't hurt your lizards. Uh, but it will get rid of some, some shit out of your snakes. So just don't – make sure you don't have any of your invertebrates in there because that would suck. Uh, I was going to bring in our, our guest that's late to the party, but he's still fondling his camera. And I can see him down there fondling his camera. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Let's go ahead and bring him in now. Hello. It's Brent. How's it going, Brent? <laughs> he blows kids. What's up, guys? That's my business partner. Oh, man. <laughs> it's going well. It's going well now. Welcome. What? I would like to apologize if I seem preoccupied. My she daughter. Oh. Well, my daughter is sending me math problems. Via text message, so that she can be like, "Why did I get this wrong?" It's because you put the wrong number down, and that's why you did it wrong. Why did I get this wrong? Use the Pythagorean theorem. (laughs) That's all you need to know is the Pythagorean theorem. Anyway, no, she's sending you text messages. Well, I was in there helping her, and then I was like, "Are you done?" I'm like, "Are you done?" Because because I got I got a podcast, babe, and she was like, "Yeah, I think I know it." And then she texted me, "What did I get wrong?" Well, it was three sixty five, not five sixty five. So read the problem, check your numbers. I did realize the only thing that they teach middle school science, only thing, is that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Every year, every year I can say, hey, guys, what do you know about the mitochondria? And 15 kids in every class go, it's the powerhouse of the cell. And then when you, get that was in them, a movie. When, when you ask them what that means, they don't have a fucking clue. That was in a movie. Because that's the only thing they learn in middle school. It's literally the only, 
only science fact that is retained is that it's the powerhouse of the cell, and they know nothing about what it means. I just, just to tell you how much of a science geek I am, I literally just downloaded a book from Audible that's just about mitochondria. Man, that's got to be boring as fuck. <laughs> it's the powerhouse of cell because it converts chemical energy into food. Dude, I know why. You should is. read this book. Absolutely amazing kind of stuff that mitochondria is found to be involved with, and you have no idea. But it's you know your your cells as we as we do bad things for our body, mitochondria is affected, and it definitely yeah, Brent. Um, screws up the performance of your cells. So keep your mitochondria healthy. The one one neat science fact about the mitochondria. So everybody knows that. Well, everybody knows should know because of middle school and high school science uh, that the DNA is in the nucleus, but you do have separate DNA in your mitochondria. You have uh, DNA right. from your mother in your mitochondria. This is interesting. So fact. mitochondria were what? Bacteria at one time that just basically found a home in our cells. Is that right? Yeah. So the mitochondria and the chloroplast is here. We're just going on a biology lesson. Uh, the mitochondria and the chloroplast, uh, chloroplast being the thing that's in plants that goes through photosynthesis. What does this have to do with our podcast? It's an interesting science say, fact. It's an I interesting, <laughs> interesting science fact. They both just listen. To, it's a really cool science fact. And I enjoy okay, it. Go James. And we're not supposed to teach the cell this year. So I'm going to do it. But, uh, they both are double membraned organelles, which is weird. Most organelles have one membrane. And that is because at one point the chloroplast, which is found in plants and mitochondria, which is found in plants and animals. Uh, were thought to have lived on their own, and they had their own DNA, and they functioned on their own. They did their own thing, and they got taken into cells. Fuck you, Brent. We were at 19 <laughs> watchers when you started talking about that. Now we're down to 14. Yeah, but those 14 are now smarter. <laughs> those 14 now can slightly 13 can slightly pass a high school. Yep, there went another class. one. Fuck. All right. So let's get back to Venom Life. <laughs> um, so uh, to get Brent up to date, we talked about how Brent doesn't do shit except for show up to shows and talk to people, uh, and that Woody does all True. the work. 100%. Yeah, good. What else is there to talk about? Yeah, just wanted to make sure that everybody was clear on that. Um, and then we well, somehow we got th- we were talking about y'all have a whole bunch of... Uh, oh, we're talking about the lo- logos. That's where we were. Fuck, is Chris eating online? Oh, yeah. Fuck absolutely. Chris. Fuck you, Chris. Who's, I know you're watching. We're talking about logos. So, I, I, lo- I love y'all's logo, and Brent like has a hard-on for his logo, because he'll tell you anybody, if you ask him about it, he'll fucking explain it till the end of the day. But I love simple logos. Because yes, being at reptile shows, anybody that's gone to a reptile show, you can see the whole gamut of logos. You can see the clip art piece of shit one that someone made because it's their first time. And I trust me, I've been that guy. I know what it's like. Hey, hey, I have that logo on the back of a t-shirt. Thank you very much. It's a great logo. It's a great first logo. I loved it. It was awesome. Uh, But then you'll see the ones that just out. It's just the logo is insane. It's a huge piece of art. Um, and I know Robert hates our logo for the podcast because it's kind of like that. But I've seen some that are just – they're so hard to look at. There's feathers and birds and reptiles and trees and all this shit. And you're like, that is – well, and it's as not some, a good logo. As someone who gets commissioned to carve people's logos into signs, when you have a stupid, difficult logo, and I look at it and go, nope, not happening. It's 13 different colors and like, I could do it, but you don't want to pay for it. It's yeah, one of the things yeah. – Show me the $2,500 and I'll do it one time. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love your logo. My logo, I, we had a, a friend of Katie's mom to do, do mine. And it's very simple. It's two colors. Uh, the only tricky part is that the S's, the two snakes, overlap. So when you do vinyl, it's a pain in the ass because they overlap. But yes, Solana, definitely calling you out on that logo. Oh, it yeah. only has a couple of different <laughs> colors, but it's like 13 different shades yeah, of Yeah, the No Drama Llama, it doesn't look overly complicated. There's not a ton to it. It's just that. There's 50 million different colors and that you have to cut it out. I was just about to say uses. exactly what Tracy said in the chat. It's the same for when you're making shirts yep. because when you make 
since we've already gone there, the No Drama Llama shirt. That is a there's lots of pieces. And that's what I hate about the S's and yours is there's there's pieces. They overcrawl. They overlap. Mm-hmm. I want it. Where I can just peel vinyl for one one label. Maybe I should have brought my shirts with me. We even got the vinyl in. So anybody out there that's yeah. listening that is going to make a, a logo, which is everyone who buys one ball python, they make their fucking logo on the first day. <laughs> uh, put some thought into all the things that I, logo is going to go on. I wonder how many new people are going to have their their uh, company name like. Something like Canova? Louis Nova. Or, yeah, it's got, everything's going to be Nova for a while. It's Yeah, it'll be. If it works for him, it'll work for me. No, right. it fucking won't. Right. Go be original. <laughs> If I can want look ask Kmart. Yeah. <laughs> How well did it work for them? Yeah. Uh but just think about that when you're designing a logo, please. That yes, it's Tracy. gonna be on shirts and hats if you if you do well. I mean, don't don't worry. Most of y'all after six months you won't be a business anyways, you'll never actually breed a snake. So oh, it doesn't Damn, fucking matter. James. The truth hurts sometimes. Lord. <laughs> I didn't even hear what he said. I wasn't listening. I mean, if if you're lucky you'll even get your logo on a couple calves or something, like yeah, you know that's so. And, and the whole Canova thing, man, I think is fantastic. Me too. The simplicity that went into the new one, and two, um, I don't. know, Can we do shout outs? Is that cool? I don't Go get ahead. paid. Yeah. Is that cool? All right, cool. So the new Canova logo was done by our boy Blake Stewart, man, and uh, he he absolutely knocked it out of the park. And um, I think. I mean, if you're looking at doing new logo stuff, even if you don't work with him, at least look at what he's done and look like do some research because that dude knows what's going on with simple logos. And I, we got really lucky that he walked up to us and he's like, "Yeah, I mean, you pretty much did everything I was going to tell you to do." So we got really lucky. But I'm telling you, man, like sim- simple is good. And like you guys, like you guys brought up for the simplicity of um Everything from T-shirts to carving to stickers to man, you look at screen print. You got mm-hmm. five or six different colors. You're paying for the base color on a black plus the five or six colors plus the twenty cents per color change at seven sizes at six per shirt. Like, it, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like an extra. It's an extra hundred and fifty dollars just in color um, to get to get one of each shirt done. And um, Simple is better, and and to be honest, man, I don't know how far you guys got into the logo thing, but we got we got really lucky. We got really really lucky, man. I'm not gonna explain lie. that to him. Yeah, that's what he was so, saying. Oh, you did explain it, like yeah. we, so when we went to like the Damon John Success Formula, you know what I mean? And like we did this whole workshop on entrepreneurship, and dude, when when you got like the guys, you know, from Damon John's team at Fubu designing your stuff, um, you know, it's we had five options, and it was like, yep, number two, we'll take it. And out the door. Like, that was it. It was super, super simple process. But um, I think you guys are right. Like, people try to overcomplicate it. And it's because – I'll tell you why. You guys want to know why? Go for it. Because when, when 90% of the reptile industry is dealing in Pokemon pythons, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. Um, Got to catch them all, trade them with everybody. When oh, people yeah, are doing yeah, that, that – well, y'all, we just learned it the other day from uh, our yeah. buddy Graham like over the in the UK. That's the best thing ever. I'm going to need yeah, a shirt. So, yeah, for sure. Got to catch them all. Trade with your buddies. <laughs> um, and, you know, when, when 90% of the industry is dealing with that, at least it shows, um, it's it's a lot harder to stand out. And when everybody wants to be the next Kabilko and, you know, and, and that's what they want to do is, is try to step up their game to be the next guy to do the next cool thing. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard. So everybody goes out of their way to do everything a little bit extra to try to like 
outcompete everybody else, and I think they put so much into the logo because the name might not be creative enough, right? And so uh, anybody out there who's like getting started or looking to start your own business at all, like, dude, keep it simple because, um, I mean, our whole thing came from like swamp life, salt life, mud life. I was like, well, nobody's doing shit for venomous yet. Let's do that. <laughs> it was like, and it was halfway a joke for a while. You know what I mean? Uh, look at Walmart, man. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Sam Walton will flat out tell you to your face. He stole every idea he had. He just found somebody <laughs> else who did it better and took it and made it his. <laughs> but he'll tell you that. And, um, that's one of the, that's one of the best things you could do is find somebody who already did it better and just do what they're doing. Well, and you think about, so, if you think about any big company and you think about a logo, you can't really think of one out there that's big with a complicated ass logo. No. Well, like Nike Justin, is a check mark. And like Justin said on, uh, Chris's, when he was on with Chris, um, you know, all the, all your big companies, their name has nothing to do with like their logo and their name has nothing to do with what they do. Yeah. But yeah. it's iconic. And yeah. you know, that, that's, uh, that's pretty damn smart. I yeah, think not to harp on this, but, uh, I guess there aren't very many people that are happy with us arc right now changing their logo. I, my only, my only thing was it looks so much like us bank. Yeah. But that's just their logo for letterhead. I know. I know. I just like a different color, but I don't know. It's so close to us bank. Uh, it's true, but I do like but, them having an official, pro, you know, professional look. I definitely see where they need that. And so, like people that got upset about that, they'll still make your stupid ass shirt that says U.S. Arc on it that you got. From the, it'll still get made with a fun logo on it. Calm down. Maybe, yeah. What what people have to remember is like U.S. Arc isn't just a place that puts on shows. They're a national nonprofit representation for every single law in every single state to protect our ability to keep the animals that we want to keep. Yep. So for them to roll in with some Scooby-Doo scribbly bullshit and then compete with people on a federal level in national Congress, it makes sense that they have a much more professional logo that not only is more professional, but also shows up on the side of um, a recognized thing. Because when you look at it, first thing you thought of was U.S. Bank. But in, in the mind of a normal consumer, what most people don't think about from a business standpoint is if you look at something and it looks like something you've already seen before, it's automatically trusted. Yep. Yeah. So, so from their point, it's one of the smartest things they could have done. And that alone, I think, will help protect our rights to keep the animals we want to keep more than um, a cool logo. You know what I mean? Yeah. And by the way, when I said Scooby-Doo bullshit, I wasn't like down talking anybody uh, in particular. I was just saying, you know, relatively. No, I'll down talk. Well, maybe the ones I got upset of the guys that. Yeah. Well, the ones I got upset of the guys that have uh, one pastel and a Mojave ball python in the garage, and they're going to be millionaires in a month. And they're trying to tell US Arc how to market. Yeah, those are the ones I got upset. Yeah. <clears throat> that's what that and the, and the, and that's what I'm saying. I think like, my. My favorite part of when Justin announced his change was the people coming on. You know, there's a Canova uh, Spanish language TV station that probably has that trademarked. Hey, you know, there's a company in Canada named Canova that has that probably has that trademarked. And it's like, you really fucking think they didn't do their due diligence before they did this on a multimillion dollar company. Well, especially since he had a company that that's their job. Right. right. Yeah. Not to mention, not to mention as far as patents and trademarks goes, there, there is worldwide trademarks and patents and stuff like that. But at the same time, as long as it's 30% different, it's not a big deal. Right. And two, the USPTO is the United States patent and trademark office. So if he has a US patent, he can do whatever he wants here. Right. He might have a hard time in 
Spain. Right. <laughs> but, right. But here he can do whatever he wants. Exactly. Right. So that's the kind of stuff that people need to actually, like you said, do their you know due diligence and really like pay attention to that kind of stuff. I think I would would not. I, so again, my opinion doesn't fucking matter. I'm not a big fan of the Canova name. Just simply, I think if I had not known it as JK or like JKR first, then I'd been fine with Canova. It'd be great. But I come from that like. In the early 2000s, when everyone's business name was their name, and then reptiles or exotics, and so I'm used to that. That's 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 that kind of reptile breeder name that I like. And his is just I know that for some people it's hard for the first time they see it how to pronounce it, but once you know how to pronounce it, it's very easy to say Kabilka. Um, well, can we? But companies do that all the time. Are you mad? Are you mad about the fact that Taco Bell went just to purple and white from the red, blue, and red, blue? And, Taco and, Bell's not allowed in this house, so he doesn't have I'm an just, opinion. I'm just. I'm just saying, like they changed the purple and yet purple and white only, and and nobody had it. But that's just about that's that. a color change. It's not a name change. Like what Justin did is pretty big. Companies don't normally, and I know we talk about him as a company, but he is. I mean, he's yeah. he's a company. Like, he's a, a big sure. company at this. point. He's a business. 100%. Yeah, they don't normally just up and change their name, even at the like the highest point. And he's right now. He's at the highest point. It, it's it's not unusual for companies to rebrand themselves. It's not that unusual. But it seems weird for a successful company to do it. Like Walmart's not going to go, man, we really need to change our name. Yeah. And so that that's the part that seems weird. I mean, in a year, nobody will give a fuck. Everybody, yeah. That's the other thing. Everybody gets upset. I've said that. I just don't like it. I'm not upset at the name change. It's his fucking business. Right. He could name it Shit Snakes Unlimited if he wants to. I don't care. But I don't say that because it's ball python. Kabilka snakes are amazing. Yada, yada, yada. Put a little disclaimer there at the bottom. <laughs> but... I, I do like the simplicity of the logo. Like I said, it's that's y'all's logo is that it's uh you can put just the red like little viper head, or you can have the venom life warrior around it. Like either way works, but that little red viper head is obvious. It's y'all like and, and, the icon. Yeah, and and and, and like you said, man. Uh, really, what it came down to for us was like you have your Nike, you have your swoosh. And once people know who you are, you don't need to put the word Nike on every single T-shirt anymore. Right. They see the swoosh and they know what that means. And Under Armour has the UA. Amazon and has the arrow. Yeah. 100%, right? So, like, you get to the point where you have that thing. And that's I think that's a huge part of branding um, and was a big part of our kind of idea from the beginning um, was to make sure that we had something that looked really good together. But if it was just by itself, it still looked good. And I think that's a huge part that a lot of people miss is like, is that going to be enough to stand out from everything else to where you know what it is? Now, to be fair, we've had comments about the Venom energy drink. We've had comments about Venom, the MMA fighting gear. We've had comments about all these other things that like your logo looks a lot like this. Or have you talked to these guys in the MMA about getting your logo on their stuff? And I'm like, well, first of all, there's already a company that does that called Venom. Um, but. You know, we're in a different realm, uh, and it's not direct competition for us. Right. Well, and it's, there's, there's going to be a similarity in logos when it's Venom and everybody thinks of a Viper. Well, I had, I had a company recently reach out to me wanting me to buy some billboard space, and I'm like, why? <laughs> how, how many impressions am yeah. I going to get from reptile people that may purchase from me that drive by this billboard in a, a year? Oh, yeah. N- right. n- not enough. You know. Dude, if you're in Texas and you have a star and or the word Lone Star – it's hard to stand out. It is. And it's nothing against like what you know what you're doing over there, but no. um, it's like you go to Colorado. There may be some changes Google, coming soon. 
<laughs> Google 5280. Go to Colorado and Google 5280. Oh, yeah. The first 77 pages of Google will show up with 5280 everything you can imagine yep. because everybody has it, right? Um, and that's how it is with the star and the Lone Star thing in, in, uh, in Texas. And it's, But that was smart of you not to invest $10,000 in a billboard for something where it's like people – as they pass, like was that like a you know, Lone Star Law, Lone Star Harley-Davidson, Lone Star whatever? Like I get it. And and again, not bashing you, Robert. You know, no. We love you with all our heart. But – um, but you're absolutely right, man. It it takes a lot to to be able to stand out, and um, I don't know, man. I think I think simple is better. Well, you know, it's funny, Brent, um, is that I I don't know if you remember we had this conversation, but when we first came up with this, and you had mentioned having this icon just be our Nike swoosh, and that's all we're going to need. In my mind, I don't think that I ever thought that I would ever believe that it would come down to that. As a matter of fact, I know I did. I didn't ever believe that it would come down to that. But now, you guys can't tell me that you go to a show and you see our stuff everywhere. And that damn icon is always on someone's back or always on someone's front or whatever. And you see it everywhere now. And, I, and I'm finally a believer. I mean, you know, Brent's mind is a business mind. He has that way of thinking about things. And I'm not that person. You know, and that's why I always say that's my business part. Thank God I have him because... He's a side of that business that he and mine can think that way, and I need that. I, need, I needed that from somebody, and it just it worked out great. But, um, yeah, so that icon is definitely going in that direction. Yeah, business, a business mindset. So, like I said, a lot of people get into this hobby, and they, they create their logo and their sticker and everything before they ever breed a snake. Um, but they don't <laughs> they don't think anything business-wise. Like, they, they don't have – a future other than buy. It's like the, uh, did you ever see the episode of South Park with the underpants gnomes? Anybody? No. Oh, yeah. so under- what the hell do you do with your free time? Oh, no, it's man. Great. So the underpants gnomes, okay, they steal underpants. I don't even think I've watched they, they South Park. They have a three like part. 20 years. Listen, they have a three part, uh, plan. Part one, steal underpants. Part two, part three, make money. That's it. Yep. They didn't. Part one, steal underpants. Part two, Part three, take, make money. I feel like that's most people with snakes. Part one, buy snakes. Part two, part three, be a millionaire. Yep. <laughs> They're just, everybody's fucking underpants. Like the one I sent you a little while ago with the guy with the world's first Dumobo morphs. It was a pink Dumobo. It was a normal Dumobo. A fucking, absolutely a normal Dumobo. Listen, you, got, you guys, I, I, I'm really not trying to downplay anything or call anybody out or piss anybody off. Do it. But- you know, I'm if pretty, I have to, I will. I'm pretty much. If you guys it. want to see a world, if you guys want to see a world's first, this is the first time I've been on reptile gumbo drinking a Dos Equis lime and salt especial. This is a world's, world's first. first. Everybody enjoy the world's first. <laughs> world's because first. to be completely honest, everybody's the world's first. And let's yeah. be clear about that. I would highly, highly bet, as a real scientist, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I have a degree in, in biology with an emphasis in zoology, and I've done research for years. Most people don't know that about me. So as a biologist and a zoologist, I highly doubt that every single highway, pied, striped, het, plus, Mojave, ghost, pinstripes, like leopard, <laughs> this is why you one-eyed, get along so well with them. one-eyed monster, whatever, <laughs> as long as, as long as ever, there are going to be so many names on the top of these clear lids that you're going to have to lift the lid to see what the snake looks like. Yeah. And I highly doubt most of these people have actually done their real due diligence and have DNA on it because they're like, oh, this one has three spots on one side and two stripes on the back. It must be a Mojave leopard. And I'm like, that's not how genetics works. <laughs> well, it was like the one guy, uh, I forget what the post was, but I remember I was sharing it. it was talking about making a new albino. I'm like, that's not, 
you, you can't fucking make a new albino. That's not right. how that works. It, yeah, it, that's like that's like making new people. That happens every day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there. It's it's, it's well the, the other part. So we talk about people getting into this and not having a business mindset. They get into it not having any idea of science, and they want to start being a geneticist on day one. And you're like, uh, I'm gonna need you to come fuck down. Yeah. You know, Dude, I'm amazed. I'm amazed the amount of people I hear that talk about alleles and things like that in Punnett Square. I mean, that really is kind of a neat thing because you have to be that way, especially in the ball python world, right? Yeah. You really have to understand where all those genetics are coming from and how you make them and those kind of things. It's not, I would say it's boring to a lot of people, but there's people out there that really, really take that emphasis and run with it. So I don't think there's enough. That that was that was my original point. I think a lot of I think a lot of people are just like they're just saying it's a hit whatever because that's what they bought from somebody else who said it was a hit whatever who hatched it out and didn't know exactly yeah. what it was and said it was a hit whatever and like it's you know have you guys ever played banana phone? I know you have, James. You probably do it every Wednesday at noon. Banana in, in phone your, in your classes. Yeah, the fuck is when banana you're like phone? when when like you have to tell the tell. Somebody it's else around the telephone game. Yeah, the telephone game. Yeah, banana phone sounds so much more fun. <laughs> I've but never yeah, heard it called banana phone. Listen, I'm from Colorado. Don't I call? I'm from Colorado. Don't judge. So, <laughs> do you say so, catty corner or do you say kitty right. corner? If something no, is catty corner for sure. Okay, that's yeah. good. We, we, can, still, we like, can still be friends. Some people say kitty corner. It makes no fucking sense. No, well, I mean, that's that's when the when the. When a cat gets in trouble, obviously that's where it goes. <laughs> but in the corner, <laughs> fucking cat. <laughs> but but honestly, like it, it's a lot like that, right? Like when people are like, "This is a head, whatever," and they get back to their booths and like, "Well, I bought this for four hundred dollars. It's a head." Some I'm pretty sure he said highway. I'm just gonna put that on it, and I'm pretty sure that happens. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happens. It happens. That's what I'm saying. So and and. Listen, we didn't come on here tonight to bash ball Python readers, but you may um, not have. I totally come on here every week. Every day of James's life. Every week, this is what my chance to do it. Here. All I'm saying is, oh, if if you're gonna play with the Pokemon Pythons, and you actually want to do better than everybody else, don't do the same shit they're already doing. That's all I'm saying. Well, we talk about people throwing out the words alleles and het and all this. Yeah, uh, I, I totally love it because I'm a genetics person. I'm a biology major, and I was I love genetics. But the problem is a lot of people are just regurgitating these terms and don't actually fucking know what it means. Like if you tell them an allele, they don't know what an allele is. A spot. Well, that's where I was going with this. Yeah. You get a lot of people that actually have taken the time now to educate themselves about a lot of these specific terms. And I think it's it's good, but you don't find a lot of people that will do that. No, and it's – it's it's and unfortunately, I mean, we make fun of – I'll say it's unfortunate. We make fun of all pythons because they're <laughs> the number one and they're the one that everybody is – is doing this shit with, and they're pretending that they're now a geneticist. I mean, that's why I have yeah. two geneticists on call if I have any genetics questions. Hey, right. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I used to teach anatomy and physiology, um, and that was the one part of the class that I omitted because I didn't want to have anything to do with teaching that because I didn't want to watch every single person in that damn class going. I love teaching genetics. I get to bring my yeah, snakes in. Yeah, but you take in. snakes to teach genetics. I bring so in like you yeah, really albino fun. corn snakes, and anthuristic corn snakes, and a snow corn and snake. The and way that you teach genetics is good <clears throat> enough that our ten-year-old daughter was able to refer back. <laughs> correct her teacher. To, she was able to refer back to the lesson he taught and actually correct her teacher <laughs> on a test that she took. <laughs> and she was like, "No, it has to be this right answer because in snake genetics." And I'm like, "Oh." 
my yeah, god! My ten-year-old. <laughs> I feel bad wow. for any science teacher that has my daughter. My ten-year-old has awesome. now corrected her science teacher multiple times this year. And we're ten awesome. weeks into the school year, and I can think of three off the top of my head. She was right each time. She was, and I'm proud of her because she's polite when she does it. Like, oh, jeez. So, so that reminds me. I, I saw don't a, mean to prove you wrong. <laughs> to be reckoned with. And if she doesn't like something and she wants to negotiate with you, she'll write you a letter. Her English teacher told me today, she's like, I'm a firm believer in not switching seats and making kids stay where I put them and learning to work with other people. But because your daughter wrote me this magnificent letter explaining <laughs> why she felt it would be more beneficial, not only for Miss her. Miss teacher, this fucktard next to me can't shut the fuck up. She is going to be in a class. And she's going to write all the like, I moved her, Katie. I just, I had to put her somewhere else. And I was like, you gave in. Don't give in. That's the first problem. <laughs> she is going to be a magnificent attorney. God. She's going to be like known for writing the best briefs. She's they go so to the Supreme Wow. She's so good. So we we talked about so, fucking percentages are gonna like so bring I, us down. So my daughter knows knows genetics because of snakes. I, it kind of reminds me of a post today. There was a post in a, in a corn snake forum, that, in a corn snake Facebook group that just went fucking ape shit. Someone asked if you could feed hamsters to a, a corn snake. Which, by the way, you totally can. There's nothing right. against feeding a hamster to a corn. Somebody snake. actually—it's a fluffy said, mouse. No, they have better be dead. hair. And they'll, yeah. get in, they'll get impacted because the hamsters have too much fur. Someone said that. Okay. They have too much fur. Too much fur. said, I'm a vet tech. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, oh that's, that's... I need a, to know what vet so we... A little bit of an education is a dangerous thing. That's like eating all the substrate in their tanks. Like they never ate a pine needle or a right. leaf or something like that in a while. Right? Yeah. The, you're getting into the hobby. You're way more worried about impaction than what actually fucking happens. Yeah, it's, have... it's actually pretty rare. Yeah. It's usually some other sort of thing that led to it, but no water, uh, bad health conditions before. Like, they're not eating off of plates in the wild. It's just not what's happening. Right. Uh, I fucking had a great point, but I don't remember what it was now. <laughs> but, uh, so the hamster, the hamster thing, it was funny to watch, uh, this one chick from the UK get all pissed because in the UK you can't feed live, uh, because they're the fucking UK and pussies. So, but, uh, Go ahead. I, I want to answer what Victor said there. So <clears throat> she was talking about how cruel it would be to feed this hamster. Because they were talking about raise, that the kid wanted a hamster. Uh, and they couldn't talk the kid into wanting a mouse where they could raise mice and just feed him to the snake. Uh, so they were going to try and talk the kid. They were trying to breed the hamsters. And the woman was so upset. Like, you're going to take this hamster. You're going to kill it and feed it to the snake. What is your kid going to think? And everybody was like, the snakes eat hamsters. That's like, teach your kid. That's how that shit works. Like, my kid from three year old, two years old or whatever knew that we fed bunny rabbits to snakes. Yeah. And so when you see a bunny rabbit, that's snake food. Hey, we had calves that when they hit the ground, they were named Hamburger or T-Bone. <laughs> because we knew that when they got to the right size, that's what they were becoming. Yeah. So, like, I think the, <clears throat> the problem is, uh, and I see it as a teacher, not enough parents educate their kids when they're young. Outside, they, they assume the school will do it all. There's so many life things that happen around your house with your kids that if you just talk to your kids about the thing, it's not a big thing. And they become smarter. Whatever that thing may be. Uh, and and uh, you see the adults that become adults that mm -hmm. don't know how to handle situations because they just weren't educated. Well, like the guy who got hit by somebody that ran a stop sign the other day. Oh, shit. And then he got, got out of his car, shot the guy and killed him, and then got back in his car and drove off. Holy he didn't know the guy. A, there was no previous. A 20-year-old killed a 19-year-old. Did not know one another at all because of a minor accident. Just people. Just also, you live in Houston. <laughs> That's Good point. True. Good that point. True. It's in the water here, apparently. Throwing that out there. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. But, but you know, when, you, when you're talking about stuff like that, man, that's that's one of the big things. People ask us all the time, what is Venom Life about, right? And a lot of it is 
we want it to be a conversation starter. We want to be like standing in the line at the gas station or have our people standing in the line at the at the grocery store and people are like, what is Venom Life about? And they're like, oh, let me tell you. Venomous snakes aren't that bad. Like, and then we start talking about like the educational aspect, right? So like you're saying, we we actually kind of after the fact developed this whole brand um, about educating the general public about, you know, making sure that we're having the conversation with people that should be had a long time ago, but nobody does it. So, you know, back to that point about giving people good information, um, you can't expect everybody else to do it. So you have to kind of just make it your own. You know what I mean? Well, I hate when people dumb things down uh, because they assume whoever they're talking to can't understand it. You can try, like, I, I would... I would get pissed when people, when my daughter was smaller and they would try and simplify it. I was like, no, no, no. You talk to her the way you're going to talk to me. If you're going to tell her something, teach her something, talk the same way. She's, she's going to learn it. Um, but people will dumb things down and I'll hear, you know, that's, that's why a lot of things just don't get talked correctly. What? Didn't Blood by Design April? Yes. She's vending Lafayette. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Awesome. What happened to her? I can hear you whispering. I'm, I'm right here. Cool. You call him fuckstick, Sean Gray. <laughs> Sean Gray's in the chat. He's, he's my favorite fuckstick. I love Sean Gray. Whoa. Hey, what y'all do on your own time. So he must be talking about you. He said not Chris, though. not you, Chris. You're cool. Oh, thanks. Uh, it's one of those, thanks. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. Who's next? <laughs> I'm out. I'm I love out. I love Sean Gray so much, man. I'm so happy to watch the. Who cannot watch love the a man that wears those go. colored shoes and those colored socks? Amen. And so, pride. And with doesn't pride. suck a dick. That's, that's really. You would definitely think looking oh, like Sean. Y'all are such a man. He he would at least see what it feels like inside his mouth. All right. Oh, also, James. also to be clear, I love Sean Gray, and I'm super happy to watch the progression of their new shop. Yes, man, I'm absolutely. So, so excited for them and their new shop. Congratulations to them, so, and uh, I'm stoked. That uh, that reminds me of something Katie and I were talking about the other day. Uh, I've been in the hobby now for almost 20 years, um, and for a lot of that, I've been trying to find the people in the hobby that I connect with, and I click with. He needs his people. He's trying to find his tribe. Let's just put it out there. But I have. I have <laughs> when I when I found when I found Herps and all the people in it. That is my group of people. Like and. Because Robert and I, we talk all the time, and, and I'm still in some of these other groups, and I listen to other people, and uh, we don't have the same – it's not that I need people that think the same way as I do, because it's not. In, in our – if you go to a Herb show, there's tons of people that do not think the same way as me, but we're able to talk that through in a, in a civil way. Um, but there are definitely some people in the hobby that they they feel elevated, maybe, and, may, and maybe they don't feel that way, but they come across that way. And so they don't seem to connect well with, the, say, the lower part of the hobby, whatever it is. Uh, I was very happy when I found Herps and I found everybody that I finally found the people that he found his people. I did. I found it's family. Like, like you talking about love and Sean. I love Sean and Lori. Like they, you know, when when we say bye, it's love you guys. Like it's not a empty thing. It's not yep. a see you later. They are family. And James, don't forget James. And James and James Bergoli. That, that Let's be real. Fun. You it's know really that you love Kayla bread. more because she makes the she bread. She does make good bread. <laughs> I mean, that bread's pretty good. It's, <laughs> it's the only reason people talk to James. You know, I never got any at Conroe. I really? never went up there and bought any. I just, uh, at the end of the day, I'm like, 
fuck, I never went got any bread. I ate my Snickerdoodle. So we always buy bread, bread and then it gets like put in the back of the, <laughs> Try that the again. fridge. Try that again. It gets put in the back of the fridge and then no one reminds me that it's there and then it goes bad. You are a grown ass or, man. Or it gets put in a tub from a show and I find it six you months later. You are a grown ass <laughs> man. And it is fucking gross. My loaf of Snickerdoodle bread was gone in two days because I ate half of it for breakfast on Saturday okay, well, and half of it for breakfast Not all of us sit there and eat an entire loaf of bread. Don't you judge me. I'm judging you. <laughs> I gotta tell you right now, there is no other podcast that's being shown in the reptile world that's anything like this. Oh god, that's good or bad? I don't know. It's one, <laughs> hey. it's one or the other. Way so, more entertaining. Way more so entertaining. <laughs> when we when we were at Conroe, I got a loaf of bread. And it's creepy the way you said that. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> it was a cherry cherry cheesecake bread. Did you ever eat it? No, I brought it to Daytona, so we could eat it, and then I forgot. And then I brought it to the next show so we could eat it, and then decided it probably wasn't a good idea. So. <laughs> I'm probably not have eaten it that many weeks later. I mean, that is a, a fresh, very moist bread. After a few weeks, you you don't no. want to take a bite of that. Uh, Dude, I I remember I put it, I packed it in my bag to go to Daytona because I was like, oh, it's the next week, and I was like, I haven't eaten it yet. So I brought, I was like, I'm gonna put this in my bag for Daytona. Oh god! And I brought it to Daytona. What is like? What the fuck is, is that from last week? And I was like, yeah, dude. <laughs> and I was like, we're gonna eat it this weekend. And then, like, Sunday night, I was packing, and I was like, fuck, we never even opened this bread from from Daytona. And I was like, yeah. I, I feel like, 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 Woody, we're going to eat it this weekend. And Woody goes, uh, who's I'm fucking not. weak? <laughs> you got a mouth in your pocket, bro? Yeah. <laughs> you ever yeah, heard right. of botulism? Yeah. You with the fucking dolphins. You go out to the beach, bro. Yeah. I'm out. Oh, man. I oh, know. The worst was, I told Katie put in a tub from a show. We didn't open the show tub for, like, six months. It was a whole it wasn't new civilization. That long, I don't think it wasn't that long, but yeah, I it, think it was more like two months. Yeah, it was a whole brand new civilization <laughs> so growing. Wasn't like a blueberry or something, so it had fruit. Yeah, it did have fruit in it, which is I think what sped up the. Did you have a, Did you have a bunch of baby breads when you opened it? <laughs> uh, I, I saw that. It took me and then for something. That's for sure. Two things hit. One, I realized, fuck, I had bread, and then two, I'm like, don't open this shit, and I threw it away quick. It was all sorts of different colors, and it had fur, and it may have actually been moving when I opened it. It was, it was bad. It was the cure for something, I'm sure. Or the next thing I was going to call zombies. One of <sighs> two. You wanted to answer Victor something Victor said. Yeah, he said, "Don't be surprised when someone actually names their company Pokemon Pythons." Yeah, I've seen it like three oh, times already. Yeah, it oh, exists. Have you? Um, it exists, and I'm sure they get a cease and desist pretty quick. Oh, I imagine. Because the parent company of Pokemon protects their brand very strongly. Oh, yeah. Like, I know someone else who has Dragon Balls exotics, and uh, they have not had any problems with that yet. There's an S on the end of balls. Yeah. Doug was very white in the chat. Hey. Also, nobody cares. They have to be a Z in there. Yeah. But also, like, do it, man. Do it. It's just decent it costs them two hundred fifty dollars to send you a letter. All right. you have to do is stop after the letter. Do whatever the fuck you want before that. Exactly. So try Sean, it out for a bit. Sean Gray just posted in the chat, and it says, "Speaking of tubs, who has the doll?" So for the listeners that are not Herps uh, show people, uh, but that, okay, go ahead. The doll. First of all, it's really not that bad. Not you once you've it. seen. I've never actually. Not seen once it. you've seen Debbie Price's once you've doll. Seen Debbie's doll. All things are off because that doll. Yeah. The shipping queen, Debbie Price, has the most horrifying doll that she loves to death. Dolls don't scare me. And her her doll terrifies me. I don't know. Where is... Okay, so there is a baby doll. doll. It's got a hard plastic head and a cloth body, and it was found in a parking lot at a show. How long ago? A year, year and a half. Someone decided to attempt to clean it up. It's 
had a t-shirt made well and it ended like, up it ended up at tracy it, so so, so they decided to start passing it around the vendor so they basically will hide it in your shit before you leave the show oh. in your truck in your trailer in it's, your tub sean your said pallet, two years, years. Oh, two years. Yeah. so but two years, but yes. here in the last six months or so or the last year for sure people they get the doll like I think Nine Finger Sean had it, and like there was like something was amputated off of the doll. <laughs> um, when Tracy had it, she made it a shirt. Um, it was bit by something else. Like now, there's like bite marks in the doll because it was bit by another animal. So this poor doll has been through the ringer. Yeah. So during COVID, we passed it from person to person. So there's no problems there. Sean posted in 2020, in June of 2020, that they had been hiding it for two years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah wow. so, I, that's what I said. I, I said it'd been years, but I knew it was years. Yeah, it's but but I'll be honest. Now Debbie's doll. That's horrifying. It's got like it, it's like a true porcelain, and it's got like big old black. It was like the same kind of. Or, no, that was the doll that Debbie got. Had one as a kid, just like that, and then her husband Bill got that one for her, and it's horrifying. So it's Annabelle. Yes, basically. I guess I don't watch uh, scary movies. She fucking loves it. But yes, yeah, so, so someone in the Herp shows has this doll, and I haven't seen it posted lately. So right, what so happens? Cool. It gets put in a tub, and most of us put it like in a in a garage or something until we do the next show. So it's sitting at somebody's Apparently, house, and I have no idea. Trimlock, Nine Finger Sean put it in Elise Lug, Lug, Lagos or Lagos, Lagos back in yeah. March. So E squared has it. They were it. back to back. Well, they, that was they in were March. Sharing that end. Yeah. Tracy said we. Well, Tracy, so we can't give it to you because you'll forget you have it and forget to pass it on. <laughs> That's the last Maybe. time anybody's known about it in the group. Uh, oh. I think I think Sean Gray. I don't even know why he asked that question because if anybody did have it, obviously they're holding on to it secretly for a reason, and so they're not going to post about it. It's going to be a surprise for somebody. They're not going to warn you about it. If we know who has it, we're all going to be watching. I, I out. thought that's what it was, Sean. Uh, <laughs> Sean said, "Brent and Woody, when's he going to get his licensing agreement?" Um, that means Sean he hadn't thought about it. Fuck you. <laughs> hey Sean, hey Sean, hey Sean, hey Sean. I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so okay. All the way back, we will go back to the. We talked about when y'all originally at the Arlington show forever ago when you first came out, and it was it was based simple hats and shirts. But lately, you have exploded. So, what other things do you have now uh, for the Venom Life gear? Well, it was funny because uh, sorry, Benjamin, fuck over you. But, no, I'm going to get my snake out while you do that. Whoa, hey, 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 this is a family show. So many things <laughs> no. on, but in order to do that, you know, you have to give up something to take something on. And what I mean by that is that to keep a certain amount of inventory and not get overloaded, you got to give up something. And we finally got to the point where we didn't want to give up anything anymore, and we liked what we had, and we were selling stuff, and people seemed to like it. But we had tons of ideas of different designs. Right? I shouldn't say we, Brent. Brent had tons of designs for different uh, different things, and um, he came up with this thing. You know, we need to do um, we need to build our own little online store and start selling those things through the online store only, so where we don't have to necessarily keep the inventory. On like with me, I don't have to keep the inventory, and um, that was a huge thing for us. So now we've got a website that has an online store only that. We really don't have any contact with that inventory. What's what we don't? It's not really about it. We don't have any contact with that inventory. You even got to worry about it. Someone that's else what, does it. That's why a lot of people do that drop ship uh, type stuff. And it just makes it so much easier. And yeah, but we wanted to make sure we, we kept the, you know, 100 plus products that we already stocked, including the different hooks. But what's nice for us is we get to, if people come up to us and they're like, like, uh, like they can do with, with you guys now. And they're like, hey, Robert, it'd be really cool if you did. 
this, this, and this on a piece of ABS. And be like, oh, cool. And by the time you go home that night, you can like design it, jump on the CNC, add the colors, and then make that, mm-hmm. right? And so it's a lot harder for us to do that as an apparel company. Especially um, when you got people walking up to you and saying, when are you going to come out with something new because I own everything you have? <laughs> yeah, which also which also happened more than once. So so when that happens, it was really tough for us. So I was like, well, now we have the ability for you guys to walk up and say, hey, man, it'd be really cool if you did this. And I'd be like, all right, cool. Give me 20 minutes. I can jump on my laptop, design it, and make it for sale on the website. And uh, you can order it the same afternoon. And then somebody else prints it and drops it straight to your house, right? So now, like, we have a lot more options. And we want to be able to make sure that we keep keep the customers happy and we're able to like continuously offer um, new, new stuff and listen to the customers. And so for you guys and everybody else listening, like if you have ideas and you guys would really like to see something, let us know, you know, Facebook, Instagram, email through the website, whatever on the chat. There's so many ways, but let us know because um, we want to be able to offer what you guys want. Sure as shit. We don't want to offer stuff that nobody wants. Why not? Right. So, well, because I mean, well, I, I had a bad joke there, but it's too soon. <laughs> well, for instance, Brent, the great story is on what happened to us at Tenley. Uh, Harrison Wang, you guys know Harrison Wang? I know oh, yeah. yeah. So Harrison walks up, and we got the shirt that says, You're the Mang. And I don't know if you guys have seen the shirt yet, um, but it's one of those shirts that we have that are only on the online only store. But it's. The word Mang, behind the word Mang, is the Mang Shan Viper print. It's that kind of camouflage color. And Harrison walked in and says, oh, I thought it said, you're the Wang. (laughs) And so we came up with the idea, well, God, we can make a shirt for you right now that says, I'm the Wang. Is that like calling somebody a dick? Well, Well, it's the last name. I know it. It was Harrison Wang, but, you know. Uh, but it was interesting because I never thought about the fact that we could do that that quick. You know, he just came up with the idea, and Brent said, I could do it for you right now. And, you know, it's just, it's really interesting that that technology even exists for us, that we can do it like that. Well, I think at one point, Brent, you and I talked about doing, uh, y'all doing like uh, like a short run, like a series of shirts, like with like different artists and stuff. Um, it'd be really cool to see like some of Adeline's work on, on shirts. So, yeah, so that's a, so that's a thing. Um, that we're currently, that we're currently in the works of. And, um, obviously I'm a huge fan of Adeline's work. I don't know if you guys can tell behind me. I see the gallery behind you. (laughs) (laughs) And, and my whole other wall over here. And then a little bit more of this wall. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty much a huge fan of her work. Um, yeah, so we are actually working on that with her as we speak. And, um, so that is coming. But what I want to be able to do is is make sure that a lot of the stuff we're doing, and just so everybody knows, we're going to be doing a lot more like limited stuff because we've noticed, like we said from from day one, we've had kind of the same couple t-shirts, couple hats since February of 2019 when we first started Venom Life. And by the way, we still offer all of those things that we had that same day. But at the same time, you know, we 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 understand and realize that people want more options, more colors, more whatever. But I'll be honest. Being being in the apparel industry is like one of the heaviest, most expensive games of roulette ever. <laughs> because you have no idea what the next person is going to want. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm going to make this in a long sleeve in red. Cool. But if they wanted it in black, now you have like seven sizes, four or five of each size, 
you're looking at like, you know, $850 with the inventory and hope that people want to buy it. We've had situations where I was like, this is going to be a hit. We're going to kill it with this shirt. I'm super excited. <laughs> and we couldn't fucking give it away, dude. Like to the point where I can't, I'm not even joking, guys. When I say we couldn't give it away, we're like, if you buy one of these ladies' tanks, I'll give you one of these for free. They're like, no, I'll just take the tank that I paid for. <laughs> like, like I'm not, I'm not even joking. We literally, Gosh. we literally couldn't. Dude. And I thought it was going to be a hit. Like, these I are really good in cages of substrate. I got it. I have to tell the story, Brent. Yeah, Brent is picking this thing. He says, women are going to go out of their minds over this shirt. I'm going, well, you know better than me, dude. I have no idea, but let's go ahead and get it. <laughs> and literally, what do we have that last shirt for, Brent? A year and a half? Oh, dude, we had like one shirt left for a year and a half. And I was like, I, I would rather use it to start a bonfire in my backyard than yeah. just hang on to it. Cause like at this point, <laughs> at this point, it's just costing us time and money. But Sean I mean, Grace, is like, there's going to be limited edition Herp and Venom Life gear coming soon. That I'm looking forward to. There is. So check this out. Yes, Sean, I will call you tomorrow. Yes, we are doing a licensing deal with Herps at the store. And yes, we are doing a limited edition um, shirt. We're also going to be doing some other cool stuff with Herps, like Venom Life Herps co-branded apparel in purple and green. Uh, Good, because I'm so we have- everybody wearing black. Jesus Christ. Uh, you go to a reptile show and it's like 99% black shirts. Yeah, we definitely want to get away from that for sure. That's why we didn't really choose a lot of our stuff being black. But then, then you don't make anything in black, and people are like, "Hey, you got anything in black?" Yeah. yeah so it's very difficult, and that's the, going back to what Brent said. You know, it's that whole gamble of what you do, and then it's the, not to mention the sizing. Trying to pick out the right sizes to bring to anything, whether it be a show or whatever you're doing as an apparel business. I went to the Gettysburg show in uh, Pennsylvania a couple months ago. Well, it was March. And I don't think I sold a single thing under that. 2X. Sorry, guys. The Hold entire on. show. Yeah, that's that's uh, another thing with shirt companies. Uh, as a fat guy, yeah, uh, I appreciate companies that have fat guy shirts. Uh, yeah. Because it's very hard to find fat guy shirts. So I got to tell you this funny story, but we had these white shirts that said Venom Life on the front of them and we they were the last ones we were those are one of the original ones right brent Brent's i think that well the original designs because we had the white shirts but I, I think we had like i don't know six of them left had a couple three xls and a couple four xls and i literally was going up to people and saying hey man what size are you <laughs> you know you look like a three x you look like a four x <laughs> that could get really no one, dangerous really quickly. Know, I'm just saying. I know, I know, and it was it worked out great. No one gave me a hard time about it, and I was able to give away all those shirts. Well, that's my problem with so, white shirts is I will get it dirty in the first like five minutes, and then now it's got to stay. Our on. daughter refuses to yeah. wear white shirts. She will not wear white shirts. Um, which, anyways, um, Tracy said her best sellers are black and dark gray. Max Hicks says that he loves the heather colors, and I do. A lot like that blue that yeah. you're wearing right now is the Heather. Right You've here. got the Heather on. Yeah, the Heather gray. This. Yeah. yeah, I love I, I like all the, of the Heather grays. colors. I needed paper for so my funny math problem. Brent is uh, so against this color, too. He's like, he says it reminds me of that stupid Gildan shirt. Because Brent used to be in the industry. Brent worked in the print industry, like doing screen printing and stuff like that. So he was... Um, exposed to all those different things and knew the different types of shirts. And that's also why we have some of those really nice um, 
tri-blend shirts and 50-50 shirts and ring-spun cotton shirts. You know, until we had this business, I never owned a tri-blend shirt. I had no idea what the whole tri-blend shirt was. And I didn't know what the big deal was. Well, now I know because I own them and they're wonderful shirts. They're super soft. Oh, not, yeah. This is not a tri-blend, but, you know, we carry a couple of them, but they're super, super soft. And we get so many compliments from people or comments that say, hey, we'd love your stuff because it just feels so good. And I have to agree. I mean, it just, it is a neat, it is a definitely a different feeling than just 100% cotton or even 50 50. I hate putting on like the with Gildan. Everybody always has the Gildan shirts. The, the, and they're very rigid. I don't like a very rigid t shirt. I like the ones that are already really loose and everything. So that is a big thing. I know that people are like, it's just a t shirt, but everyone knows like there's, there's the t shirts in your closet. You're like, that's the one I'm going to put on today because it's comfortable. I wasn't that person. <laughs> I could never tell a difference. I guess I don't know. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm fat and sensitive. I need nice sensitive shirts on me. <laughs> I just like stuff that fits. <laughs> just stuff that doesn't show my stomach. That's what I'm aiming for. Well, you're also so freakishly tall that that's a little hard to do, man. That is a problem. Like, I, if I raise my hands and a lot of stuff, like I'll buy a shirt. I'm like, I love this shirt, and then I put it on. And the first time I raise my hand, oh, there's my stomach. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I feel your pain. Yeah, Brent can't wear. You know, Brent's a very thin guy. I think he Brent's like 145 pounds, maybe 150 pounds, but he has to wear a, lo- a large because his torso is so long. And if he, yes. he wears a medium, it's fine. But that large has to cover because as soon as he bends over, you know, the shirt rises up and it's kind of a problem. So he has to wear that large. <laughs> Max Hicks says he doesn't want a shirt that chafes his nipples. I agree, Max. I don't want a shirt that chafes yeah. your nipples there, either. There you go. Yeah, I, when I moved to sure. Southern California for college, the first time I went to the beach, I wore a shirt in the water, and I learned why you don't do that out there, because the water's in the upper 60s, Yeah, and your shirt gets salt water in it, yeah. and then your nipples stay hard the whole time, <laughs> and the next day you're walking around like Chase. this. Band-Aids can be your friend. Fuck, that's painful. Yeah. Chafe, yeah. chafe, chafe. Yes. Yep. So, I told you we'd sure. get back to it, and since Brent's having technical difficulties and is gone right now, let's talk about the hooks, because everybody knows uh, the shirts and the hats and all that. But the hooks y'all sell are made by you, not like you yep. don't buy hooks and then sell them. Those those are handmade and by you. I I couldn't even tell you how many people have come up to us and said that. They're like, oh, you don't buy the hook end and put it together from somebody. Somebody doesn't make the hook end. No, I bend all the hooks and all that stuff. Yeah, everything that we sell is made by me. Now, the shafts I don't make, obviously. They're coming from somebody else. The grips I don't make. But the hook ends I make. I put everything together. Um, Brent and I... Uh, a lot of times we go to shows, we bring hooks to to put together at shows because I'm so busy building stuff and sending out orders and all that kind of stuff that we have to take the time while we're at the show, like the night before the show or two nights before the show, and we have to build them in the hotel rooms just because it's just that bad. You know, we're just very, very busy these days. But yeah, everything is built by me. And a lot of these things, I don't know if you've ever been told the story by, by Brent, but a lot of the stuff that we make, um, when I first started making snake hooks, it was all because I worked at a venom lab, you know, cleaning cages to get my venomous hours. I used to teach classes on envenomations for the fire department. And um, the hooks that Carl Barton had, I wanted those kind of hooks. He said, well, you can't buy these hooks. You have to make them yourself. So I went out and made, like, you know, tons of hooks just to get the right one that I wanted for myself. So these other um, prototype hooks, if you want to call them that, um, we're still sitting around, and I said, "Anybody want a hook? You know, I'll, I'll sell you one. One that I made, and that's how the whole thing started." But you know, it's funny because I was never a person that owned a lot of tools, and now I think I could probably fix any car, um, frame any house, you know, do whatever you want to do because I have so many tools now because of all this business. 
Well, I, I need to get one for me a Steelers hook at some point because they're that's the thing they're they're hooks with like different NFL teams and all your baseball right. and all that stuff and uh, you can be very personalized. And, yeah, and that was a fluke. There's a guy that I worked with that said, um, hey, why don't you guys do team theme hooks? And I go, what are you talking about? And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, well, you just want to put different colors on a shabby. No, they actually make, you know, team grips. And I was like, oh, well, cool. And so, of course, as soon as I heard that, I think I ordered like 30 of them like the very next day um, and started doing that. But that was definitely a big turning point for us as a business. But then people came to us, why don't you make smaller hooks? Why don't you make uh, Python hooks? Why don't you make this? Why don't you make that? And so... Little by little, you know, we got this huge assortment of hooks because we did just that. I never thought I would make probably uh, probably four hooks is ever what I thought I would only make throughout the entire business. But now we're up to like something like nine, I think, or whatever it is. I love the, the tub puller. Oh, yeah, the tub puller. You have that when you got that a lot. I love the tub puller. You know the story behind that, right? Uh, you know, hear it probably, but I don't remember. There's a guy named George Emdy that's here. Uh, he lives over in the Daytona Beach area, but George Emdy is like 5'6", and he had a Raxus, and it was so tall that whenever he used a hook to get the top tub out, it would slip off because that bevel end would just slide off the plastic. Mm-hmm. And so um, George came to us and said, hey, I've got this idea for a tool. Would you make it for me? And so it was really easy to you know figure out what he wanted done, and I took it to the guy that does all my welding, and he was able to weld it up and we put it on the shaft, and that tool was born. Um, and I told Brent that night when we gave it to him, we gave it to him in Daytona, and I said, "Well, that's the last one I'll ever make of those." And then that night, George called me and said, uh, "Hey, my buddy Rob wants one." And then, like the next day, he says, "Hey, uh, this guy Brandon wants one." And then the next day, someone else. And by the end of the month, I think we'd already sold like thirty of them. And Al Koritz, a guy named, uh, he's Viper Keeper on YouTube, I gave one to him at a show one time, and uh, he, he did a video, and he says, I can't believe it took someone this long to come up with a tool that is so um, able to be implemented in so many different things for cages. He was opening glass doors with it for venomous stuff. Yeah. You know, obviously, for um, any kind of venomous opening, opening a rack with something, it's a huge thing because you're using a hook or you're using something else because you don't want to use your fingers. Yep. Um, and so, uh, yeah, after that video came out, I think we sold like 22 in a matter of a couple hours. And we've sold out of those things at shows that we go to. It's just a never-ending um, – I'm, I'm just amazed. That I they can't hear you guys. Yeah, people like them. Sorry, buddy. Brent. I would say Brent, we can hear him, but yeah. – <laughs> I- oh. I really can't hear anything. I turn. I took my headphones off. Oh, hey, you know what started it? Well, you know what's funny, Woody, is that yeah, Brent was talking so much shit about you being the one that were going to have technical issues on how to use all this equipment, and his shit doesn't work. <laughs> That's what I love. I like Max's response there. Max said it's rumored that Woody even has a ten millimeter socket <laughs> he's the only, and knows where it is. He's the only man who knows where that. 10 wow. That is wow. the one everybody loses. It is insane. <laughs> but to go back to the the, the tub puller, uh, it is it it seems without ever, ever using one. Like, what the fuck do I need this for? Because some people just use their hook to pull it open. But you know that time oh, you use your hook me. and then the hook slips out from underneath it, and then it's just a pain in the believe ass. Believe me, mm-hmm. believe me. The amount of people that have come up and said, "Why in the hell would you need that?" And I said, "I'm with you. I understand what you're saying, but we still sell shit out." Brent you know, and, and Brent has brought people uh, over to my. To my setup and opened, had them open a, a, a rack with that thing and then they end up buying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, what's his um, Earl, Earl and Ren, Earl Jones. Yeah. Um, his wife Ren had back problems, and she said to me, "Thank God for this tool because I don't ever want to bend over and you know pull open a rack tub again." And so, thank God we have it. And I thought to myself, "Wow, that's something I never <laughs> thought about before." And then, literally a week later, one of the guys, uh, Jay Royal Balls, I think is his name, um, here in Florida, he he hit me up for one because he had some back problems. So reaching lower tubs with a tool like that is, you know, huge. Well, I'm fat and lazy. So. <laughs> I was thinking in my head, so. if you're fat and lazy. Fat and lazy it comes in. I, I need to get one the next time I see y'all because, uh, I, like I said, I've used Roberts here and there. And it's so, it's so much different than using a hook to pull it open. One, yeah. it's one it's a uh, it's a wide piece of metal, so you get a better uh, grip on the tub. And it's just and we can make them wider too. We've had people ask us to make them like two inches or three inches before because we're using them for large pythons that weigh a lot. So oh yeah, to have more surface area contact on that metal, I guess, is a better thing if you want to. We've got a couple of people do that. Um, but you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, St- you know, Stoney's a friend of ours. You know, he's our competition. He's also a friend of ours. But we really thought it was. Um, I don't know if you want to say it's funny, it's a compliment, or whatever. Maybe it's just a compliment. But he started making those things. Mm-hmm. He's got them in different sizes than what we do, which I don't really understand that. He's got them in smaller sizes because I think he's more catering to people that do non-venomous stuff and they want it smaller um, or shorter shafts. And if you have a small reptile room, you may need a shorter shaft. You can't use that real long shaft because you'll end up hitting the wall behind you or the racks behind you or whatever else. But he makes them just in smaller sizes. Yeah, Stoney's, uh, Stoney's shop is local to us, actually. He's only yeah. 30 minutes right. from here. Yeah, close. I do like his tongs. Oh, I Stoney's love the tongs. tongs. Those things are amazing. Yep. But, yeah, the, the, the double, and I, like I, said, I think it's one of those things that people don't think they need it until they use it. Um, it's But, it, again, it's something that's so simple. that, uh, and, and you can use it for that snake that every time you open the tub, it just fucking comes out at you. Because everyone's got that snake that when you're like, you're like, all right, really hope the snake's not near the opening when I open this tub. Yeah. Um, that neonate hook we make people that too, use them for the one. rat cages just to check food and water without having to bend over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that that's an awesome one of those things that got added to it. It's just kind of snuck its way into the hobby and more people need to know, need to know about it. And uh, you will. When you when you see, go see them at shows, ask them about that, uh, the rack pulling device. Not really a hook, the rack pulling device. It's, it's Yeah, it's cool. called a rack tool. The rack tool. Or a tub, people call them tub tools or whatever. Or tub opener, or we get, yeah, we get to call it a yeah. <laughs> But ah, the same thing that's... with the uh, neonate hook that we made, too. That was made for somebody else, this guy, Mike. You guys know Mike Vestio? Lives in mm-hmm. El Paso? Mm-hmm. This guy's known for probably having the most diverse collection of venomous snakes. He doesn't have the largest, like, number-wise, but he has, um, like, spider tail vipers. I think he's the only one in the United States that has spider tail vipers. Um, but he's just that kind of a breeder that has all these weird different things. But he asked us um, to come up with a hook because he was using a coat hanger as a hook. And he says, can you find something that you can make an actual hook of that's similar in size to a coat hanger? And, we, you know, we were able to find the shaft for it and make a hook. And, I again, Brent, I told you, right? I told that the night that we sold him 10 of those things. We'll never make any more of those again. And lo and behold, we sell a shit out of those things. I think I have one of those, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fairly certain I got it from you guys. I bought that yeah. and the tub puller at the same time. Yep. Brent talked me into both of them. Yeah. yeah both of them were like 
I'm like, I don't what do I need these for, but now they're probably the two most used tools in the room. <laughs> well, I think people underestimate a small hook. Amazing. A small hook, like you don't just because you have an eight foot boa doesn't mean you need a giant hook because you're yeah. not you don't need to hook that snake and pull it out. The the hook is for pull the tail towards you, let let them know it's there, and then use your hands to get them out. Right. Um, right. And so a small hook is very. I've got like three or four different size hooks in my snake room just because it depends on what I'm doing with it. Well, I'll tell you a story. Um, do you guys know Matt Gambrell from Olympus Reptiles? I don't know the name. Yeah. 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 Matt said something uh, one day to us. Um, he says, I'll, I'll, I'll never put my hands in a snake tub again that I'm not certain is not going to bite me. Um, because he had a, a ball python that bit him. You know, losing some teeth in his hand. And he picked the teeth out. And the snake ended up getting an infection from losing its teeth. So I think he ended up getting really bad stomatitis. He ended up treating for like two weeks or whatever, into the whole um, hydrogen peroxide rinses, antibiotics, the whole deal. And he said, you know, it really is not that big of a deal that this snake got the infection or that I got bit by a snake and had to pull teeth out of my, out of my hand. He said, but what was significant about this situation was that if this had been a $200 snake, it would not even have made that big of a deal to him at all. This was almost a $3,000 snake. So, you know, you think that it's a, a macho thing or whatever. Hey, I got bit by a snake, big deal. It's not that big of a deal. But, you know, if you're looking at the potential for a snake to have an injury that's going to cause an infection, then maybe that's not the specific snake you want to be, you know, doing that with. And yeah. I never you thought about it. You can do as much damage to your snake from a bite as it can get from you. I mean, you have more bacteria in your arms than maybe in their mouth. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that, that's a real thing. thing. Well, we've talked about it here before, people, because uh, – Sean Gray makes fun of me all the time for wearing gloves. Uh, I just don't like getting bit. I'm just not a fan of it. I'm not one of those who's like, yeah, ah, just you. ignore it, get bit. I'm like, fuck that. I don't, it I'm doesn't seem you. fun. Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, the way I put it, man, you and I just have more nerve endings in our body parts. That's all it is. <laughs> oh, one of the reasons I know that I'll never get a tattoo as much as I want a tattoo is I'm a fucking bitch when it comes to pain. Like, it, it fucking hurts. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's uh, unfortunate. Same. I can't do pain. Same. I hate tattoos. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, fuck you. Uh, so, anyways, there was. Oh, I wanted to bring up our. Uh, we did have a question this week that I posted, and I wanted to bring it up. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. It was, what do you think is going to be the next big pet reptile slash amphibian in the hobby, and why? And, and y'all do a lot of shows, so you see a lot of what's out there. Um, and so I want to go through what some of our our people said. Drew Schultz said that uh, if he knew, he would already have a ton of them, and he wouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> right. So. Kind of what I was thinking. Fuck if I knew that, I'd be. <laughs> I think we're all kind of banking on that with what we all breed. Yeah, is that okay? Well, you're seeing that more. You're definitely seeing that more now in the hobby. That uh, as much as we shit on ball pythons because everybody has them, everybody also has like this one or two other things. You're like, really hope this is the one that's going to be it. Yeah, I need this to be that thousand dollar snake. Right. But to be honest, if you're playing the odds, the ball python odd is the best odd. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But then you have to own ball pythons. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Brittany Patchett said Velociraptors. So that could, that could be out there. I'm going to think that was facetious. That's a solid answer. <laughs> what was your all's first snake you ever owned? Mine was nose. a... What? A hog nose. A hog nose. Uh, the first one I owned myself was a Brazilian rainbow boa. I do remember... And in was, like, your hog nose, was your hog nose wild caught or you bought it from somebody? We bought it. I mean, I had rough earth snakes and decayed brown snakes that I caught as a kid and kept for a few days and let go. But the first, you know, snake that I considered a pet was a western hog nose. 
Yeah, it's funny growing up, you know, because I was I was big into reptiles since I was a little kid, and I always wanted just the oddball stuff. I really never was interested in having a ball python or a boa constrictor. I was like, you know, um, I had flying snakes at one time. Those paradise flying That's snakes. Cool. Um, tons of different garter snakes. I, I used to breed garter snakes from you nope. know, California and Oregon Speaking and stuff like language. that. Those are just too smelly. I can't do garter snakes. It's yeah, that's kind of something. But yeah, they're, uh, <laughs> but there's beautiful varieties of it. You show them to people that have no idea that they even exist. Like, oh my God, you know, why isn't this in the pet trade? Yeah. And uh, the reds and blues on some of them. Well, yeah. Yeah. And for now, um, I might be able to show you a picture of one here if I can pull it up here. But it's absolutely. Um, amazing to me that people just don't want to work with some of those things just because right. it's so cool. I want to I want to hear what some more of these answers were. Uh, John Feely said he thinks tree monitors or lace monitors because I mean lace monitors are getting a big push. Oh, that is what the, those of you that can't see Woody's showing that is an awesome looking. Yeah, that's thing. gorgeous. The flame garter, yeah, and just shit like that. So it's incredible. Uh, lace monitor. I, I don't, and I've said it before. I don't I don't get the appeal to lace monitors. One, they're expensive as fuck. Um, and I just I don't, I don't get it. But some of the tree monitors I definitely think are awesome, like the blue and the green and the black. Like those little guys are awesome looking. They remind me of those little dinosaurs from uh, Jurassic Park. And then uh, tra- Travis Wyman said, uh, "None of the shit he keeps because he hates all of us and wants them to stay his special projects." Although he- <laughs> Travis just had some beak snake eggs. No, oh cool, beak- yes, beak snake yeah, eggs. Uh. Well, they lay it laid for. If that's not right, he'll message us in mess- a couple days. No, I'm pretty sure it's it's not the uh, it's not the kookaries. It's the beak neck or beak neck. Yeah, Rufus Punctatus. Is that right, Brent? Big nose, Rufus. Rufus He yeah. uh, well, he, they laid four eggs, and he was all bummed because he candled them and couldn't see any veins. And we're all like, dude, give it a few days. So he put them in the incubator. A few days later, veins. So hopefully that that pans out. That'd be really awesome. Let's see what I picked up for forty bucks today. Is it? Do you have to take penicillin to get rid of it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's a, a wine fridge. I'm a big old wine, wine fridge. fridge. Nice new incubator. Lady had it in her thing. It'll hold uh, 18 six-quart tubs. That's another weird thing about reptile people. We yeah. look at shit and think of it in ways that no one else will ever think yeah. of that thing being used. Lucas found it on a, a Facebook Marketplace yesterday. He's like, hey, man, she wants 40 bucks for this. Is that a good price? I'm like, when can we go get it? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we met her this morning at 9 o'clock at her house. Luckily, she's 10 right. minutes from the shop. Because like, that might not work as a wine fridge, but I can sure as shit make it into something. That's yeah. right. That's how I've, I've got a wine fridge for brumating my snakes. And there's no way that thing, when someone built the wine fridge, ever thought, someone's going to freeze snakes in this thing so they can make babies. Uh, but uh, going back, to see. Uh, Brandon Peace said carpets because NPR. Uh, NPR has definitely helped a lot for the carpet python uh, popularity, having Merlin Python Radio. What are you typing, Brent? Very furiously. I'm sorry, man. Like, it's an angry I, email. I, the, well, uh, to be clear, the reason I jumped off is like a legit family emergency. So oh, no. I'm trying to text my sisters right now. Well, I hope everything's all right. So do I. Uh, Chris Burns said... Chris Burns said, none in particular, but he thinks colubrids are becoming more popular. They are. Colubrids are definitely becoming Absolutely. more popular. That's because there's there's so many colubrids that people don't keep on a regular basis that are pretty cool if you want to think that shit's more than a boa. Well, and that's what I was getting at, too, is because there's just so many cool things out there that are not ball pythons and boa constrictors that I just don't know why you wouldn't want them, like mandarin rat snakes or, um, God, there's just so many different things that are out there. I can't even think of one on the top of my head. All those different um, Asian rat snakes are all cool. Um, 
File snakes, those African file snakes, I've just always wanted to have something like that. Just a cool big ass snake like that. I saw someone on I forget whose YouTube it was. It may have been Dave Kaufman or something else, but someone that does file snakes. And uh, they're really pretty when you see them not imported yeah. and looking like shit. Uh, and I think um, another one, Musaranas, clearly have that genus. Um, you know, those for a long time were in this country, but now very few people keep them. You can't find them very often. There's a couple different subspecies of them, but that's another just badass snake. But oh, I don't think Brett can hear us anymore. No, I I, okay. I can. It's just my microphone's popping now. I don't it know is. what's going on. I've never had somebody pop like I've never had somebody take the video. I'll talk to you later about that. We'll figure out your technology stuff. <laughs> that's the uni- that's the universe kicking my ass for assuming you couldn't get in the stream yard. You talk shit about Woody not being able to figure out computers and now all your stuff's like Fuck I know. you. And this is like my second phone tonight. I'm gonna have to go to my third phone soon. <laughs> <laughs> and to answer your original question, Brooke Elder says indigos. That's the next big thing in the hobby. Hopefully, Texas. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. Crebos. It definitely won't. I think. I think it might be crebos more than indigos. They're easier to get a hold of. Um, Brett, I'm going to mute you. Just unmute yourself whenever you want to talk. No, I'm call back. <laughs> <in>. All right. <laughs> um. I, I, indigos are cool. I just always talk about how much they shit. Uh, I love Easterns, but I mean, that's a legality thing and having enough permits, but the, the Texas indigos are cool. But they just, they poop so damn much. Um, yeah, we're talking about snakes. I mean, obviously there's more things that, that can be brought up in the hobby. And I'm amazed to this day still that there's that many different geckos that pop up, you know, from different countries that people just all of a sudden just start working with. I guess it's just one of those things. Well, nobody's working with this. I'll work with it, you know, or something like that. And Stephen Poole just said Sabu's. Which is funny, Savu pythons were in the Savu hobby and, and they were treated like shit because they were just a dirt snake and everybody's like, fuck that thing. And now, like, Savus and Maclots and everything that you don't see all over the place anymore are, are big ticket items. People want them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, Darren Watson said mangrove snakes. Mangroves oh, yeah. are cool. Yeah. That whole genus, I mean, you know, Boiga, Boiga, yeah. however you want to say it, um, it's just there's a lot of cool things that people keep for those. So, the, only, yeah. the only problem for Boega is that it falls under the venomous stuff, and so that becomes a it becomes an issue in some places where you can't own venomous, and it, it, whether it gets considered or doesn't get considered. Um, sure, but I definitely think colubrids, like corn snakes, have had a bit big uptick, um, which is nice. And again, it's all cyclical. I mean, because corn snakes were the big snake before ball pythons. Twenty something babies right now that I can't take to a show this weekend now because mites because of mites. Shit sucks. <sighs> yeah. You know, is it, where did you live? You said you live in Southern California, Robert. I did, yes. Well, did, Northern did nobody make the joke about that might be a problem? <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, I went to college in San Diego. Okay. Well, if you go to Northern California, like into Oregon, there's these ringneck snakes that are like this big. I mean, they're this like gunmetal gray, 24, 20 inch snakes, 24 inch snakes. You know, they're absolutely orange bellies, absolutely beautiful snakes. Super hard to feed because they eat probably little lizards and sna- and other snakes. Yeah, you know, but that's another species that is just crazy. I'd love to, I'd love to own some of that, but just such a problematic snake to find food for. That's also another thing that I think really uh, there are some cool snakes out there, but if they don't eat mice or rats. We're just like, ah, okay, oh, no, I can't do that. I kept. If you know what shovel nose snakes are, if you did you ever go snake hunting in California when you were there, Robert? No, I didn't. So Anza Borrego, just east of there, there's a you know all through that desert, you find shovel nose snakes, and that's even into Arizona and Nevada. But 
you know, you're talking about a beautiful snake, but they're insect eaters. And mm. I kept a 90 gallon aquarium. I think I had like a dozen of those things in there one time that I brought back from California and, and uh, well, Nevada and Arizona. I could have told and that lady this weekend at that. We did a uh, that little reptile thing, that little snake show thing Sunday morning, and a lady asked me if there were any snakes that would eat fruits and vegetables because she just couldn't feed rodents. <laughs> and I was like, no, they're pretty much all obligate carnivores. Well, but what's cool about garter snakes and even water snakes, too, is that you can take fillet of fish, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. some fish fillet, and feed them that off tongs or whatever. So that does <laughs> that, that's But if you option. feed them rodents that eat vegetables, then yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gut load them with, with bananas. <laughs> <laughs> they are gut-loaded vegetarian mice. <laughs> uh, well, like, I think that broadband water snakes are one of the prettiest snakes out there, but it's a water snake, so it takes a different care than, I mean, also I don't like sure. getting shit on and bit. Um, the one snake that comes to mind that is very hard that you can't keep in captivity that everybody would love to keep if you could is mud snakes. Yes. Mud snakes are yeah. fucking amazing, but we can't all Did feed salamanders. Did you see where I just took, I went to someone's house, they had three of them in a bedroom. Oh, shit. Three little babies, yeah. like this big. Yeah, really? Yeah, I only was able to catch one of them, but there was three in there. I couldn't find the other two, but oh. that's just crazy. They're just, they're one of the prettiest snakes we have in North America. Uh, Temperament-wise, they'd make an amazing pet because they don't want to bite. But they fucking eat salamanders, and we just can't, I mean, we can't get a whole bunch of salamanders to feed them. And I don't even know if you can feed them, I don't know where, um, like maybe in Alabama or Mississippi, that they'll change their food, but they're pretty much obligate um, amphiuma, amphiuma yeah. mm-hmm. eaters and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's a real problem. I, it sits, we gave that snake to uh, Mary Sydney Burnish, and so she says that she's feeding it right now, although I don't exactly know what she's feeding it. So John Feely says Alterna should be more popular. Alterna will never Love be... The Alterna are popular in certain circles, but they will never be more popular than they are because of the way I think they are in the hobby. They are super locale specific, which turns off a lot of people because you really get fussed at if you have two different locales because one's on this side of the highway and one's on that side of the highway. Yeah. <laughs> and then you bred them together. And so the Alterna people have made Alterna not be popular. Uh, yeah. I feel like Rosie Boa people have kind of gone that way too. Rosie Boas are another one that's, it's, it's a really locale driven thing. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with locales. If that is your thing, go, you know, feed into it. But, Maybe don't fucking shit down people's throats because they bred two of the exact same species together. They just happen to live on two different sides of a rock. All right. Those Harquahela Mountain rosy bows are absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yes. They're really cool. Well, there's like, even the ones in Anza Borrego. Those are one, cool. one I would like to see is like your Arizona or your California Mountain Kings. We have an Arizona Mountain King that is, I think, just about the most beautiful snake in our collection and I've been looking for a female for six months and can't find one because just nobody has them. Man, they're easy keepers. They get to be a an impressive enough size. Yeah. And they're just, they're freaking gorgeous. But yeah. no, nobody has them. And they're, I mean, they're a king, so they'll eat anything. Yeah. yeah you just don't see any people keep, like, you know, Bob, um, you guys know Bob uh, Applegate, right? Yeah. You know who mm-hmm. that is? Bob used to have all those kind of weird um, tri, um, tri-colored snakes. Um all those different uh, tricolors from California and into, into Mexico, but um, I don't know anybody that's keeping them at that kind of volume anymore. Yeah. Well, because colubrids used before ball pythons took off in the early 2000s, colubrids were the thing that a lot of people had, and so you saw a lot more of those kings and stuff. Yeah. But you don't see them now. Ma- Max says maybe if somebody had something other than a Sanderson locale. Oh, of the of, of the Alterna. Alterna. Yeah. Is, mine's a. Uh... 
can't remember what she is. Yeah, make sure you know what side of the highway, what cactus. Because I've never to. been able to find a match for her. I just, like I said, I, that that turns people off the way that that stuff gets done. Yeah, Craig Trumbauer had this Christmas Mountain. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. those are cool for a while. Yeah. Um. So I do want to ask you a few things because it is Hot Topper Fest. We kind of skip past some of the. Venomous stuff. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I know uh, you worked in, when you were younger in a Venomous Lab. You kind of worked to get like hours and all. You, I'd like to hear more. Well, this about wasn't that. that much long. This wasn't that long ago. I just I was teaching uh, classes for envenomation. When I worked for the fire department, uh, people found out that I knew something about envenomations, and so you basically become the expert, you know, <laughs> in that kind of stuff. And so I did a lot of research on it and learned more. And you know, we, Brent and I actually. Uh, Became good friends with the uh, people from Venom One, um, Jeff Fobb, who we just spent a couple days with at the uh, Denver Venom Conference, uh, Lisa Wood, uh, Scott Mullen. Um, they kind of took us in and let us ride along with them for a little bit. But, you know, other than that, you know, I was doing my own thing. Um, but, yeah, I worked for Carl Barton. I was I was getting my hours through him at the MedToxin Venom Labs here in Deland, Florida. He's 30 minutes away from me. And which is interesting that, when you think about the fact there was only like eight Venom Labs in the country and three of them were in Florida and I had two of them within 30 minutes of my front door. Mm. Um, actually, there's more now because Jack Vicente's facility too. His is just smaller. But there was four Venom Labs, three of which were like, you know, 30 minutes from my front door. Which one's the one? Is Jack you, Vicente the one that does corals? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's, and that's what, I mean, if you ever could, and Brent will tell you too, I mean, I've learned some stuff about Jack Vicente in the last couple of years that I really never even knew any of the stories about how his, how his uh, beginning started with um, Bill Haas down in Miami at the Reptile, oh, cool. uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Miami Serpentarium. And then, you know, uh, George Van Horn that owns Reptile World here in St. Cloud, him and Jack were under Bill Haas and they were working for him. And that's when uh, Bill left and got a degree in biology and started doing uh, work with Venom. And started harvesting venom to sell to different places like universities, or um, I, I think he was part of the North American Venom Project for Wyatt Ahurst back then, the company that was making the um, polyvalent antivenin that we, you know, that was a horse-made antivenin back then. That was before Crofab. Yeah. But I think he was the first, or I'm sorry, one of the very first people that was doing that back in the 70s. Yeah, we talked about. So we make jokes about Florida Man earlier. Uh, there's definitely Florida man injects venom into body over several decades. Yeah. And we go like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's definitely a Florida man story. And, 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 and it's an impressive one, but it's also one that I think, uh, people should not try and do again. Yeah. Like, please, please don't try and do that again. Well, you got Tim freed. What's the Tim freed? Is that his name? Yeah. Wisconsin? Yeah. We, we tend things. to not support the, uh, uh, the SI guys, which is short for self immunizers. Um. Yeah, Tim. Tim's <laughs> another one that's doing it now. But, but everybody thinks here, that because one guy, one guy was able to do it, that it's going to work for everybody. And it's like, no. Like one guy can also crash a Lamborghini at 100 miles an hour. It doesn't mean the next guy can. Like it doesn't make it a good idea. You also, know what I mean? Also, doesn't mean all of his body. I mean, he lived to be pretty ill, but I mean, you got you go to some of those places and like their fingers don't all work very well. Right. Like I went to one place when we went on honeymoon. Uh, it was somewhere around. Orlando, another roadside attraction, but you could definitely tell the dude that worked there because he had like seven fingers. And I was like, "Yeah, this motherfucker," because they had the, the, the big window where you can watch you're the like, milk. You're a lot of things, bro, and a shop teacher is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but 
so what all did you do while you were helping them out at the Venom Lab? Clean cages. Um, that's really free, about it. Free I'm handling feeding. cobras look cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, feeding and watering, all that kind of stuff. You know, and Carl, of course, I don't know if you know Carl Barden, but Carl yeah. Barden was a pilot for Delta um, for like 20-something years. And that was the whole idea is, was him um, making money for being a pilot and, and saving some so he could start this facility. That was his dream. You know, he wanted to have a piece of property, restart a facility on it. And he did just that. And the guy's got like, I don't know, 1,300 venomous snakes in yeah. that building. You know, and it's um, it's a it's a lot of work. I mean, I knew it was a lot of work going in there, but you really just don't realize how much time and effort it takes. I and mean, first of all, it's not like cleaning a non-venomous collection. You know, you're working with these animals that, um, large ones are really problematic. You know, big geese from Diamondbacks that can just launch themselves at you, which I've had happen. You know, thought I was getting bit a couple times, you know, while working there because they were just so big and they were coming after you. You just thought they were going to nail you. And um, it takes a lot of, in Carl's own words, it takes a lot of attention and focus to work with this stuff. He has a little um, thing that he wanted us to go through every morning. You know, if you, if you felt sick, he didn't want you there. Yeah. If you just broke up your girlfriend the night before, you didn't want you there. Yeah. yeah anything that would um, take it was your, just all those different things. Anything that takes your attention from what you're doing. Right. Right. Exactly. So that was it. And then I and I got my hours there. And um, I was keeping – I was actually keeping <clears throat> native venomous stuff to, do, to take the classes with me. And then finally, you know, got my hours. And then I, I – shortly after that, I really didn't do that many classes. I haven't done a, a venomous animal class in a long time. See, I, I, a few years. As much as I don't like more regulation, I wish Texas regulated venomous the way that Florida does. Well, that there was a licensing for, you know process where you had to be yeah. you had to show competency to to be able to keep them. Yeah, and you know, even in Carl's own words, and some of the people that he's worked with, they want to come up with a a structured um, educational class that deals with. Handling venomous, venomous husbandry, and all these different things associated with it, but they don't want it to be um, something that takes you two years to get. Because in Florida, if you you can take a test from the Florida Fishing Game, and as long as you pass that test with an eighty-five percent or better, I believe that's the score. Um, I got like a ninety, but um, if you can pass that test, they'll reduce your hours per family by five hundred hours. Yeah, I've heard about that. Hmm. But 500 hours, I mean, even if you work a full-time job and you want to go on a Saturday, that's two years. That's two years of Saturdays. That's what it took me. You know, and then you really don't even get into any kind of a lap until closer to the end of that. You you probably start working with Cobras and some other things. But, um, you know, you're probably talking four years before you could ever um, legally own all the common stuff. At a thousand, thousand hours per family, yeah. That's yeah. good though. Well, I was just saying, five, yeah. If that's even worse, if it's a it, thousand hours, it yeah. shows that you're dedicated. Well, and it shows well, that you're not just going to go buy a Gaboon Viper and throw it in a glass. Well, tank I think and, the, the perfect thing is somewhere in between that and non-regulation. There's yeah. some middle ground in there True. that is probably the perfect thing. So, we've we've actually been working hard on that, and we're hoping that it's next year. But through the <laughs> Venom Institute, we've been working on a nationally recognized, but not like not overseen by any agency, right. but recognized by all agencies, basically competency, credentialism. Yeah. Curriculum that says like, basically you don't have to get it, but the people who want to keep responsibly, 
now have a place to go do it because that's one of the biggest problems we have is people who want to get venomous. A lot of them want to do it responsibly, but they have no fucking idea where to go start. And, and if you want to do anything professionally in venomous, if you don't learn from one of the better guys who have already done it, but let's face it in the venomous community, there's only a handful of us that do it professionally, right? We, and we all pretty much know each other. So if somebody wants to go work at a venom lab, they're going to call around and say, Hey, have you ever heard of this guy? Hey, have you ever heard of this guy? And if we all say no or stay away from that guy, that dude doesn't have a job in professional venom anywhere. Right. Even if he, even if he's good. So like it's a very tight knit community. So you have to train with the best of the best. And I think that that's a good thing, but I think it's a beautiful animal that deserves a lot of respect that I think more people should be able to do it because I know a lot of really competent people who should be able to have these animals. Yeah. I also know a lot of complete fucking idiots who have them that should not be allowed anywhere near them. Yeah. Yes. You know, Brent and I have a big thing that we do whenever we go to different shows and talk to people and they tell us that they keep pots. Yes. And uh, one of the, the lit, things, we call I call it a litmus <laughs> test. <laughs> the litmus test, yeah. <laughs> but one of the very first questions we ask them, they'll tell us, "No, I keep um, I keep a gaboon, I keep a monocle, I keep you know whatever it is." Two spinning cobras, a mom exotic stuff. Yeah. Oh, black and whites. Yeah, black and whites. Jesus. And the very first question I said is, "Okay, well, if you get bit by that snake, where is your antivenin coming from?" Because the the answer we're looking for is that you've done some research at least and you no. know where your closest source is. Even if it's the Miami Data Antivenom Response Team, you know where it's coming from. So you don't yeah. gotta wait on, you know, a toxicologist from poison control getting on the phone with the new R physician and trying to track this stuff down. You can already call someone and say, Well, here is or tell the physician, I know where the local closest stock of the stuff is and it's gonna be this person, this zoo, something. Just general um, general protocols, like have a yeah. have a plan. Yeah, and it's absolutely amazing how many people do not Most. have that. I did a talk at the Midwest Venom Fest back in April uh, about this specific thing, and the talk was called "You've Been Envenomated Now What?" And that was the whole thing: is you, you got to have some kind of a plan already established before that happens. And people said, "Well, what do I got to worry about? The, the hospital's going to take care of that." <laughs> oh. There's two people we know of right now. One guy, um, I'm not going to mention his name, but one guy in uh, Pennsylvania, and I think he had to go to the hospital in New York, but he was given a venom of, uh, he got bit by a black and white spinner, a Southeast Asian spitting cobra. He was given an antivenin for an African species, which there is no real crossover treatment for that. There's, you know, there's nothing wow. that's in that antivenin that's going to really help him. We don't know whether it was the toxicologist that did it wrong, like said the wrong name, or if it was the zoo it came from that grabbed the wrong stuff or, or thought it was what they wanted. You know, whether they heard the wrong species, I don't know. But again, this guy got a, an antivenin that was not the right stuff. And so, I, and I don't, again, I don't really know how much he knew about it, but all I know is if you bring me antivenin that's in a bag that's already mixed up, I'm going to ask you what the antivenin is. And if they say, well, this is Symer for, it's an African polyvalent. Well, don't give me that antivenin because well, it's not what we need. It's not going to work for me. For sure. But we know that. And here's so the other what I'm problem. Saying is if you're just a general keeper, that is an easy thing. Right. But here's a, a big very... problem. Here's a big problem. We had the story of the kid, uh, another northern state that was bit Michigan. by a Cayuthia that uh, yes, that was, that was bit a couple years by a Cayuthia. 
he was put in, he was 20, you know, 20 some years old and diabetic and put into a medically induced coma. And, um, his girlfriend answered the questions. Uh So you can know whatever you want. The problem is all she said is it's a Cobra. Poison control did their job, got him a Cobra polyvalent. He got Symer. It was an Indian Cobra and it was 18 and a half hours before he got the right antivenom. And that was nobody's fault. It was a mm-hmm. lack of good protocol. And what's worse is he actually did due diligence and had the common name and the scientific name all written on the cage. And he told his girlfriend what it was. He told his girlfriend what to say. But in the panic and him not being competent at the time, um, accidents happen. So there's so many good things you can do to have really good protocols to where we can eliminate stuff like that. And, you know, nothing Chris said was wrong, 100%. But we can go in and say... I'm not doing that. What's better is to have a snake bite doctor on call who you trust, who knows if something happens to you, he's getting the call and let him make all the decisions for you in the case that you're not capable of answering questions. And a lot right? of that problem can easily be taken care of by a simple binder. Yeah. Like all that information well, needs to be in something you could take with you to the hospital. Yeah. Again, protocols. Yeah. yeah. Good protocols. That's exactly right. So good protocols. So another thing that, uh, you know, and even Chris over the winter is going to be working with us as well, um, over at the Venom Institute to be able to say like, this is what a good protocol is. This is what you should have. And that's part of the training and the research, you know, that has to be done beforehand. But when it comes down to like being able to own certain animals, yeah, we support US art. We think that we should have a right to have certain animals. Of course, at the same time, like we've alluded to, there's a lot of people who have crazy shit that they probably shouldn't have that have no idea what they're doing and have no business having those animals like they'd probably be safer with a tiger in their backyard than they are with some of these animals to be honest and um you know we can't control that and and to be honest man it's hard for me because half of me is like you know darwinism wins in the end but at the same time (laughs) but it fucks us over while that happens but at the same time it makes us it makes all of us who want to do a good job and try every single day to do the best job we can to be responsible and educate people. Really <laughs> fucking hard. Is that- okay, Brent, listen to this. I'm sorry, man. Max says he has a printed protocol in his snake room. It's just an eight and a half by 11 picture of Spencer Green that says, call him. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Do you know what? You know what's not funny about that is that's probably 60% better than a lot of fucking yeah. people. Oh, well, we had him on. So we had him on last week, and we uh we posted the question before him coming on, and we didn't tell anybody it was Doctor Spencer Green, but we said, "Hey, what would you do if you get bit by a venomous snake?" And like half the people responded, "I'd call Doctor Spencer Green." I'm heading to Kingwood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but what? What? I mean, that guy—he already has a bunch of jobs, and he only gets paid for some of them. Like, and you want him to work extra hard, and he doesn't even know who you are. Like, yeah. take take your time to, like, say, hey, this is who I am. This is where I live. This is what – like, take your time to get to know your doctor. Have a snake bite doctor, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, and listen, there's only a few of them who are really good at what they do. There's a handful of them in the U.S. And Chris and I work with all of them and um, – or know all of them, right? One or the other. And they're not going to work with every single keeper that has every single animal for sure. So – if you want to be one of the people that they're willing to take that call for at three o'clock in the morning, that's where we need something to separate the men from the boys. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's where uh, back, back to full circle about like having some sort of a DVL protocol, hours, certificate, something that's nationally recognized, but not held down by states or counties or cities or, or the feds. Um, I think is super important. 
And, uh, and that's what we've been working on for, for a while now with the Venom Institute to make sure that that's available to people who want to keep responsibly, give them somewhere to go to get that information. You know, Carl has his own position at the local ER that he lives near, but that's something, that's a relationship that he's made with this guy for years. And, you know, they have the staff from the ER that come out to his place and discuss all the stuff that he's, you know, been bitten by and the problems he's had. Um, the guy's been bitten by us. He's had 11 envenomations. Jesus. I think he's been bitten by all the mambas, a couple cobras, a eastern diamondback bite to the face. Jeez, uh, damn. You know, Shit. a lot of bad stuff. And uh, he's got no, as, as far as I know, he has no deficits other than the fact that he is highly allergic to venom because, you know, all the venom that he works with gets aerosolized in his, in his facility. So he breathes that shit in all the time. You know, and for, the, for anybody that works with venomous, if you, if you have snakes that, you know, leave venom on glass or uh, anywhere else, if it breaks down over time and it becomes dust that aerosolizes in the air, you can breathe that in and be eventually hypersensitive to it. And that's exactly where he is right now. So if you work with venomous, that's a big problem that a lot of people Huge risk. And they just don't, a lot of people don't consider that because they don't understand the biology behind it, right? We don't know a lot about allergies, like even, even doctors, right? Um, we know that there's H1 and H2. We know that overexposure or underexposure to certain things can, yeah, histamines, the H1 and H2 histamines. We know that overexposure and underexposure, um, can cause allergies, uh, and really not a lot else. Um, <laughs> like there's, but we do know that overexposure or underexposure to anything can cause that. And so anybody who's worked with venomous for a long time knows that the more you work with them and it is aerosolized, you're working in tubes and glass and tongs and everything else. The more you breathe it in, the higher potential for that. The more bites you get, the higher potential for that. And there's a chance that you can work with venomous snakes for long enough with no bites and your first bite is barely a scratch on the hand. It happened to one of my, one of my friends and colleagues at the Denver Zoo that he was barely scratched and he went into anaphylaxis in seven minutes. Damn. Like died, died twice. Wow. And, you know, he had to be resuscitated on the ground and then again in a flight for life. Um, we, we also know a lot of people who were fine the first three bites and then the fourth one, they went into anaphylaxis. Um, we also know people who have had allergic reactions to antivenom back in the day. Um, before they did, you know, the new, the new antivenoms, it's really not as much of a problem. But I would take my chances over anaphylaxis in a hospital than, you know, envenomation problems because that's a very treatable thing. Um, anaphylaxis is in general. So there's you just know, a lot, there's a lot to know about that kind <clears> of stuff that people are just like, Oh, well, I have this stuff and there's a zoo down the street and a hospital three blocks past that. So I'm totally cool. And like what people need to understand is there's so much more that's involved in, in envenomation and keeping dangerous animals that goes into it than just assuming the people down the street, not to mention if the zoo does have to give up that antivenom, now while they're waiting for a restock, first of all, rarely if ever are they actually paid back, but the keepers aren't protected in the meantime and it comes out of their budget. Right. Like other people's lives are at risk. And so, but, but these people are like, well, I don't care because I got 16 new followers on fucking Instagram by doing it. So it's not a big deal. Like who, and, and that's the selfish kind of shit that really, really gets us, man. Well, and if it's well, – uh, someone told me, and it could have been complete bullshit, that if a zoo – if a zoo gives <laughs> – if a zoo gives antivenom to someone and it's not one of the antivenoms that's FDA approved, they can't be paid for it. 
I have no idea about that. So what 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 antivenom do zoos carry that aren't FDA? I don't know. Well, there are. There's there's lots of them that are. Open yeah, well, I get okay. Yeah, in the Tyred Cross and stuff. Okay, that's fair. Look at BioClone, BioClone, and also um, yeah, not FDA, not US certified stuff. Right. The RDT stuff just got passed. What that was April that the that it just got passed for. yeah. Bites or copper no, heads. yeah, the copperheads, yeah. No, so you're right. Okay. I, the, I, when the re- I was thinking FDA, I was thinking that they could keep it in the U.S. Never the mind. reason that came up is the the guy who got bitten by the um, the green mamba and then ended up his, his snake got away and all that shit happened in Carolina. Yeah. Uh, um, it came up whenever he got bitten and the zoo gave him anti-venom. Uh, somebody asked him, are you paying the zoo back? And he commented and said, I tried to, but they won't. They said they can't accept the money because the anti venom that they gave is not FDA approved, so they can't he, be paid for it. He but, could be absolutely correct. I've just never heard of that. And I guess yeah. Brent hasn't either. I don't know nothing about that. Honestly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I even, even having worked in a zoo and having uh, actually been consulting on that case in particular firsthand, um, I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know how that works. I mean, the reality is, people don't pay zoos back. Right. That's the reality. <laughs> like, I. I also. I also know a lot of other stuff about this situation that makes me believe that that probably may or may not be true. Gotcha. Probably not true. Well, he hasn't. But, he hasn't proven to be the most. Have the uh, best track record. Yeah, have the best track record with. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, Chris. Chris, though, when we talked to him, he was. <laughs> He was in that talk I was giving in uh, the Midwest Venom Fest, and he spoke up and talked about his bite to people there in that class. But it was interesting because Chris really got a firsthand look of just how dangerous those snakes are. And he'll tell you he had no idea how close to death he was because he felt it. You know, he felt how you know his breathing was, was becoming labored. He felt just how sick he was and realized that he was on the verge of death from that envenomation. And he said, I gained a huge amount of respect for, for venomous animals after that. And he really questioned whether he was going to be, he was going to be keeping anything anymore. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that's the problem is that people just, it, there's a lot of complacency with people that keep venomous. They yes. don't think it's going to happen to them. So I met and a guy at a show recently, not a herb show, who was buying, uh, uh, he had an Aatrox and he had a, I think a, um, a lepidus that he bought at the show. And I was sitting out front waiting for a customer to pick up their rack. And we started talking and he told me that he had gotten his first venomous snake about eight months before. And that it was of course a Gaboon Viper, but that he had just gotten a black Mamba and was scared of it and was scared to death of it. He said, I got it out and it got away from me in my bedroom and I had to dig it out from under the bed. And the whole time it's trying to bite me. And I just, he's like, I'm going to get it out again when I get home and try and work with it some more. Dude, yeah. I'm like, no, oh that's definitely God. something you need a mentor for because those things, especially, I mean, uh, you know, when you're when you're feeding something like that and you have to be in the opposite side of the glass and it's a glass enclosure and you're on the opposite side of the glass because you don't want them coming straight out at you, you know, and and that just to me that just speaks volumes about how dangerous that snake is. You know, it's a real problem. Right. Um, I mean, there's like like less than 10% of the world's fastest people can outrun that animal. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, exactly. consider that. Like if if you're not from like Ghana, you have a zero percent chance about running that thing. Right. 
So like, I'm just throwing that out there like that. Right. I mean, I mean, that's, that's a super dangerous animal. Not to mention like, you know, when you're talking, they get 10, 12, 15 They're feet long. Like, yeah. 12, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that, that just over 12, it's still over 12 feet, man. That's, that's, that's a lot of animals. Well, like, like we talked about yeah, last dude. week on, on the episode we, when we went to Cody and Pia's place in Florida, they have big ass black mambas. Oh yeah, uh, that's yeah. A, it's just a scary snake to look at. Like like we said before, uh, if we're used to something like ball pythons, like my samboas, they're fucking retarded. Okay, yeah. yeah, they're not thinking on a higher level. But when you look at a snake, these like things that, are smart as shit. Oh yeah, and people may not believe it, but I'm telling you, if you ever look into the eyes of a full grown black mamba, you go, "Well, wow, I remember this uh, things thinking." Joe Challoner took one yeah. home, took a green, a western green home from Conroe last year to test out that new arboreal cage that he built, and. uh I asked him a while back, a little while later. I said, "How long did it take that green to figure out where the food door was?" He said, "One time." Yeah. He said, "I fed it one time, and it knew the next time it saw me coming with a rat, it was straight at that food door at the top." He said, "It blew my mind that that thing figured it out that quick." They're super smart, man. Like pretty much almost all the elapids, right? The mambas, but even the cobras, man. Like most of the coyotes, especially the white ones, they're pretty inbred, so. They're like more bluff strike than anything, but, but like you talk most of the, most of the, most of the elapids, man. Um, any of the cobras or mambas, like they, they're smart as hell. And if you ever worked with them, dealt with them, or like you said, even just looked into their eyes, you can totally see that they are, they're thinking, man, those wheels are turning and you can see it. And, uh, it's, it's crazy, man. Like it's, it's a, it's a nuts thing to work with those animals. So, that's a you've got to have yeah, no. a lot of experience with a good mentor before you start messing with animals like that. In my opinion, um, it, those are nothing. I mean, cobras and mambas are nothing that I ever wanted to work with. I mean, it's just me. I like my fingers. You know, I don't want to give up to some cobra that's going to totally screw up my hand. There was someone that worked for Carl. They got bit by uh, a Chinese cobra, Atra. There, and that person had like yeah. three surgeries on their hand. And uh, I still don't think they have full function back, but I mean, I don't want that. No, no, no. Give, give me big, fat, lazy that, vipers. Um, yeah, and not to mention, you know, what that venom does neurologically. I mean, if it, if you have nerve damage, I guess you would say, or if you have nerve function damage, like you know, um, stuff that antivenin cannot fix, because once once binding take takes place on either post uh, post or pre symptomatic you know, receptors, a lot of times those things don't work anymore. Like if you have some, you know what ptosis is? You no. see people that got bit by um, uh, elapids or something that has... Particularly mambas, yeah. You know, it, it basically uh, stops the functioning of, of certain muscles and these little muscles that control your eyelids stop working first. It's like a head-to-toe thing. Yes. And what happens is your eyelids just droop. They don't want to yeah. work anymore. And you look like you smoked a big fatty. Um <laughs> Another good, good rise idea. So anyway, um, but that's something that, you know, you may not ever get back. You may walk around looking like that for the rest of your life. You may walk around having you know, blurred vision. You may walk around having slurred speech. I mean, there's all those kind of potential things. Um, ben Abo, one of the physicians here that we deal with, um, he's one of the other uh, Venom Institute or Venom, uh, Sleepy Snake Bite Foundation physicians. He talks about a little seven-year-old kid having yeah. and not having any antivenin given to him and then finally getting antivenin. But it took seven months for that little kid to get his um, 
his muscles Damn. to work again. One, but two. Adults would have never got that back. We'd, we'd yeah. Like he said if that kid was in his 20s, he never would have got it back. The wow. fact that his brain was continuously regrowing and, and uh, you know, reproducing cells and creating new synapses, that that was what led to him being able to have that back. If he was in his wow. 20s and had the same bite, he never would have got that back. <clears throat> You know, and that, and that's another thing too. Like when you mentioned big, fat, lazy vipers, one of the most common household go to, um, venomous these days, like, you know, Cayuthea, the, you know, Monaco cobras, that's, that's kind of like the garter snakes of the venomous world. Um, you know, everybody has them, everybody gets them, everybody breeds them. Um, you can't even find normals anymore. If you ordered 15 of them online, you'll get two normals if you're lucky. So. Like they're just all, you know, like the ball pythons of the the venomous world. But people talk about big lazy vipers, gaboon vipers. I know so many people that are like, yeah, I have venomous snakes, and the first thing they name gaboons. off, yeah, gaboons, man. And and one of the things about that is people think big, slow, lazy vipers. They look like slugs. Mm-hmm. Not only do they have one of the fastest strikes in all of the viparid world. But they're the, one of the only snakes in the world that can strike 180 degrees backwards and over their own head, over their own tail. Man, this is not helping your case, James. No, 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 no. In, in, in reality, though, the only reason that I can 100% say that I would be comfortable with him one day getting something venomous is because of his background at the zoo. And because he did it. Now, with that being said, without Don't a doubt. The scariest day ever for me, and I knew it was fake, was the day that they did a snake bite drill and he was the one that was calling it in. Like the director called me on the phone in my office 10 minutes before it happened and was like, hey, they're about to do a drill. I need you to know so you don't panic because we were married. And and our snake bite protocol for the Gaboon was don't get bit because we didn't have anti-venom. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know you worked at the zoo. Before we were teachers, we both, I ran the education department. He was a reptile keeper. So I, the He had to quit because he kept animals with no anti-venom. The call. (laughs) The call. After after I left, the AZA was like, guys, you can't have the snake. And so they sent it to another zoo. They now have it back because now they have anti-venom. I was like, you bunch of pussies. When I was there, it was don't get bit. It was our media specialist comes running in my office and she's like, let's go. We're going to the the hospital. We're going to meet them there. She's like dragging me out the door. And I'm like, wait, what's our protocol? What are we supposed to do when a snake gets loose? And I'm like trying to remember like, okay, wait, you can't just drop what you're doing to take me to the hospital. And she was like, you were too calm. I should have known it was a drill. (laughs) Well, and when I say, when I say big, fat, lazy, lazy vipers, the difference is I know where a kaboom viper can reach. And something 100%. like a cobra or a mamba can come to me. Like yeah. it, can, it can close the distance. Whereas you're right. The viper like are like I love and I really want an Easter dime back. But they're gonna hold their ground. They're they're not gonna come after. And that's not something I have to worry let me, about. Let me tell you something. I just pulled well, I pulled three of them, but there was actually four of them that we just removed from somebody's property about the same uh, property. Same property, same twenty foot space in front of their house. Damn. But those things were all five foot snakes. Wow. And oh. let me tell you something. When you're dealing with a five, now it's not an enclosure, like you're not, you're not working out of a, a rack system or a cage, but man, walking into a bunch of uh, saw palmetto bushes oh, yeah. and other overgrown stuff and trying to get those things out, that was scary shit. I mean, well, really, for me. I've told the story on here several I'm wearing chaps, I'm wearing the whole deal. Like the gators I was had on and then everything else too. But I mean, that's some. Um, yeah, but a, a five or six foot diamondback. 
can reach above your knee. Yes. That, well, exactly. But That's exactly. What, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. More, it's that much more dangerous. It's scary. You know? it's, it's scary it's as hell. And it's super dangerous. Well, and I, so I've told the story several times on here before, but I'll say it again. Uh, I went to remove a copperhead from someone's property, and yeah. a copperhead turned into four. Uh, there was a fifth I one. There were, five. So there, and five? there were five. There were five. We caught five. There was the sixth one that no, we, we didn't, couldn't yeah. find. So, uh, and one was in a fucking tree. It was like seven foot in a tree. I was about to walk into the tree line to go look for him. And I was like, hold up. And I looked up and there it was at eye level. I was like, fuck. But I looked up to think, Hey, it could be in a tree. Um, but I was not prepared. I had one tub, uh, I had a hook and tongs. I was like, I was prepared for one copperhead. And so it became a game of like, okay, you'd have to lift the lid and I have to try to put them in there and try to get the other ones. Fucking whack-a-mole. By the time we got to the fifth one, I was like, we're done. We're done. Uh, if there's another one, it gets to stay here because I'm back not opening this car, lid again. Once I open the lid, they fucking realize, oh, we can get out. The back of my yeah. SUV smelled awful oh, after yeah, having that. Smell. They were all it like, like cat piss for God, weeks. God, it was, it was awful. Yeah, all those Akistradon have those weird musk smells yeah. to them, yeah. Well, our, it smells and, like cat cat pee. And when you talk walking, like, yeah. walking into uh, dealing with like, the Diamondbacks, uh, our Gaboon exhibit at the zoo was actually a giant room <laughs> set up like an African tent. Like an African, like uh, a safari, scientist, science, like, like he had died while writing information on the chalkboard. But like the, the last word was, was bite can fatal, be fatal, and, and the L like the Slowinski exhibit or what? <laughs> <laughs> so, Jesus. so, but you had to walk in, and it's on the floor. And so, uh, when they brought it back from the zoo that it was at, it apparently ate very well because when it came back, and I went to visit the zoo again. It went from being like a four and a half foot. Well, you had to force feed that snake at one point. Well, we had force feed. We gave it fluids until it decided not to starve to death and oh. decided to eat. Um, but when I came back, it was now like almost six foot and as big around as like a two liter Coke bottle. And I was like, God. you have to walk in there with this thing and it's just on the floor. And so like, it's an interesting, like when we had to, when we first got it, it wouldn't eat and I'd have, we'd have to go in and catch it and tube it and give it injections. That'll pucker your asshole up a little bit when it starts yeah. huffing and puffing at you and it's right there at your feet. Yeah. And, and they're no joke, man. And, and, and to be clear, when I brought it up earlier about, you know, big lazy vipers uh i wouldn't say anything about you no i know oh, no, no 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 yeah 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 of course i'm just saying like to be clear for everybody listening like they look big and lazy and slow slugs yeah Mm-mm. they are they are not they're that. a force they are, to be reckoned some dude that kept a blood python probably thinks incredibly fast well some guy that kept a blood python probably goes oh i can do a gaboon it's all the same I just like thing. to give him shit because he wants a venomous no. snake so bad <laughs> soon as not I anytime move. soon as soon as i move all right, so we have gone over two hours. Oh, yeah. Um, not bad, though. No, not bad. I, 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 I missed there's, there's freaking like, half of it because like of math homework. One of the things I'd like to talk about, so we're definitely having y'all back on at some point. I missed half I missed half of it, too, so I'm going to do this again. You know who didn't? Woody didn't miss anything. He was here early. His shit never messed up. He was great. You definitely get, like, uh, one of the most prepared guest awards. I had a great mentor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who couldn't follow his yeah. own advice. I love it. But uh, one thing I do want to Fuck bring up him. is our giveaway this month because it is sponsored by you guys. And I got to say to anybody listening and to the 10 that are still listening, please go <laughs> try and win this. Like, right now, only because Brent gave us three questions that I think people should try to have to answer to get it. And I liked that idea. But it just proved how lazy motherfuckers are. Because if it was simply comment on this, we'd have like 40 comments. But yeah. Because it's like, hey, just take 10 seconds to go research these three questions and then post those on here. We have two. So if you were so listening. So part of the purpose, part of the purpose of that is if you can't take your time to do three questions, you certainly don't deserve to do 
you're certainly not going to do enough research to, to own venomous snakes. Oh, no way. No way. <laughs> so if you are listening right now, go to our right. Facebook page at the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Click on it. Research those three questions for – it's less than a minute. Answer them, and you can win this amazing Venom Life mandala made by our friends over at Crafty Gargoyles. Uh, that thing is – I'm still jealous that I don't oh, get to win I it. I forgot that we were giving that away. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to, to Brent not tell you, but we're giving that away. No, he told me. I no, just forgot about No take backs, Woody. <laughs> uh, but that thing is gorgeous. I'm upset that I can't win. And then we're also doing fifty dollars uh, on the on their website. Fifty dollars gift certificate to the Venom Life Gear website. And there's a million things now that you can buy on there. I think there's even a bathing suit. I think it was or something. Oh yeah, men's, somebody men's said something about a speedo <laughs> earlier. I don't know if that's on the website, but somebody in the chat said something that we need a Venom yeah. Venom Life. No, we don't need. We don't if need. If you haven't speedo. seen it yet, there is a shirt that everybody is going bonkers over. And it's a shirt that says, and all you see it from far away is it says, I love my wife. And you can have it say, I love my husband, I love my boyfriend. But when you're looking at it far away, you see, I love my wife in big, bold text. But then as you get closer, you see it says, I love my snakes. My wife deals with it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, but that shirt, I mean, God, Brent, I mean, what, 20, 20 times over, we could have sold that shirt? About, yeah, about 10 a times sample. a weekend. That's so funny. Yeah, those <laughs> I like those lots. shirts when it's like really big text, and then you got to get closer to see what the small ones are. It's almost those like are when someone's saying their vows while getting married, and they sneak in there that you can't have the son thing. of a bitch. That's it. That's Nobody it. knew what you, I was uh, laughing about because when we got married, it was just the two of us and like our immediate family. So there were only like ten people at the end of the pier with us, and then everybody else was back watching, kind of from a distance. And there was like a, a microphone so they could hear us. But that was it. But they they could only really hear the the judge that was marrying us. And this motherfucker over here, he's like saying his vows, and all of a sudden he's like, "And never getting rid of snakes." And I'm like, "And that you couldn't have." Them. Or, oh, that I I couldn't get or I couldn't get rid of them. Yeah. And I'm like, "Until death do us part, and you can't have the snakes." Yeah. <laughs> so it was in so our it's vows. Legally, it's, legally it's legally binding. Legally binding. Wow. She can't. She can't do anything. I, uh, yeah. I just I just got a text, and this is something that's kind of big here. Um, oh. Do you guys know who John Ziegel is? Can't see your face. Do you know who John Ziegel is? You know, it doesn't no. matter. His shit's still working. <laughs> I don't. No, I don't. John Ziegel was basically one of our um, competitors. Um, it was him, Stony, us, and Midwest Tongs. We're like, and, and I guess Toby too. But you know, we're all the big hookmakers. I guess John Ziegel just passed away. Okay. Oh no. Wow. Really? Is that the one? Uh, Tom Crutchfield posted about somebody passing away. I think that's who he posted it's about. It's got to be him. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. John Ziegel made incredible hooks. I mean, he's definitely a metal fabricator, uh, made some really cool stuff. Um, All of his stuff was one off customs. Like, he wouldn't make another one like a lot it. Of them. Huh. Yeah. 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 I, I'm always amazed at this stuff. Like, I love my snake hook that uh, Nine Finger Sean made, the expandable one that's made of like a ski pole. Mm -hmm. I love that snake hook. Yeah. Um, but he's an yeah. awesome. A great fabricator. I, I love. If you're ever at a Herp show and you see uh, Best Exotics, go look at how he has his banner. He made this whole thing that clips onto the table so that he doesn't have to deal with all the shit the rest of us do of walking around a fucking banner and not tripping over the legs. Um, but he just made it. And I was like, dude, just make that for everybody. People would buy that thing. Yeah. He's like, I don't have time for that shit. Yeah. That's exactly what he told me. It's hilarious. I'm always impressed but, with yeah. people like that. The innovators. Well, I mean, yeah, we got we got a lot of uh, a lot of cool new stuff up on the on the website, man. So anybody listening, you can go check it out uh, and use your fifty dollars that you win to to yeah. go get some good stuff. 
Yes, because right now the only two people two people have answered in. When is the next Venom Fest? Is that the right like, name? They just had one. No, like the next one in Texas. You know, oh, there's the Houston Venom Houston Conference. conference That's what we're talking yeah, about. When is yes. that? June. Yeah, I think June. It's June. Oh. What he said. Why? Yeah, and there's also the biology of the pit viper that's coming up in in uh, New Mexico, and then um, no, Arizona. Well, yeah, Arizona, New Mexico border. Yeah, you're right. I was just what thinking else? like yeah, we could have them on again in January, February to talk about the stuff for the year. We'll definitely have them on again. Absolutely. Because there's more things I want to talk about. <laughs> also, I missed half of it. I know Brent, I did too. Brent shit didn't work. Uh, we do need to make sure we tell our listeners that next oh, week. Next week we will be doing I, our I podcast. I could have done it. Huh? Oh, go, no, go ahead. My, I speak English. Are you sure? Uh, really? And, and it's my fault that we're moving it. It's <laughs> totally not a big deal. So um, before we switched back to Tuesdays, I had scheduled a surprise birthday party for my mom next Tuesday. And I, I realized that this. she would have. She does not. We're fine. <laughs> and I realized it last week that, oh, shit, that's scheduled for Tuesday. And there's like 50 people coming. So uh, we will be... We can I say who our guest is? Yeah, we're gonna have uh, I don't know who it is, but from Nathaniel Frank from M Toxins yeah, from M Toxins next Venomite. week, but it will be on Wednesday. At yes, 7 on Wednesday. Yes, so Tuesday. Your other half will probably be here as well. Yes, because I'll it's, have my mom, it's my mom's 60th birthday at that, so it's a big one. I'll take I'll take the so damn it. Yeah. I'm not busy that day. I'll drive to Houston. All this you're gonna take on, Joe Brent. to softball? That's gonna be so awesome. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uncle Brent. I meant Uncle Brent I meant taking this. her to softball. Yes. Look what you sounds like a, that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> Uh, I was I was literally I was literally in Houston calling Jane on the way here, telling him I was going to be late because I was leaving Houston. That's <laughs> so I was there like I was there like two hours ago. Yeah, wow. you could have just spent the night. See, next time you will feel like it on a Tuesday or next Wednesday. Yeah, we just have come a whole extra studio, bedroom. Hang out here. That's right. We have a whole extra bedroom because our daughter doesn't we, live with us anymore. We got a place for you to sleep. I say I got a futon and a twin bed that's not being used anymore. So. All right. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like it needs to be washed. Our daughter got a full size bed. So I just moved 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 her bed. I just moved her bed to like the game area space and turned it into a day bed couch. So, hey, listen, to be clear, I wasn't wasn't judging. I'm just saying. (laughs) So, if they want to get a hold of you guys and. Uh, get really cool shirts and hats and that cage tub cooler because that thing is freaking awesome. Yeah. How can they get a hold of y'all? I'll ask Woody because there's no reason to ask. No, <laughs> I love that he's pointing at the camera like, nope, not me. Yeah, www.venomlifegear.com. Or on Facebook and Instagram at Venom Life Gear. Yes. Yep. And Brent, I apologize. Yeah, there's nothing else. Noticed. I uh, I totally misspelled your last name. All the stuff I put out today, I forgot to put an e. On don't, don't worry about it. It's it's I I misspell it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's hard, Robert. That's why I just went with venomous because arguably venomous is easier to spell than Schultz. It is definitely. <laughs> it, it is easier. It's a situation where there's more letters and it's still easier Killer, to spell. Man. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, like, is is I, mean I have like so four kids I can't pronounce their last somewhere? name. So. Brent Venomous with a Z, like Limp Bizkit. (laughs) (laughs) Although, yeah. Oh, Robert, if folks want to get a hold of you. They already know. 
And we know James, so you don't have to do it. What? Go to LSRepsRacks.com. If people want to get a hold of you, James, what can they do? Uh, simply, ser- simply underscore serpents on Instagram or simply serpents on Facebook. Or if you want to get a hold of the podcast, is the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and at gmail.com. And go try and win the awesome Mandala. Mandala? I'll say Mandala, but that's not who it is. It's a Mandala. Mandala. Um, because I'm upset that I can't win it. So at least you can get it and show it off. And I've been getting a ton of Facebook ads for Mandalas all of a sudden. As we talked about huh. in your yeah. phones in this room. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm more weirded out by the fact that when I'm in certain places, and I sw- swipe over on my phone to see suggested apps. It knows what apps I need because of where I'm located. Yeah. Or like to hey, James. Yeah. I just want to say real quick. Next time somebody says, how do you get a hold of me? If you don't say at Google me, bitch, I'm going to be super disappointed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That should be your standard answer from now on. I say it like three times a day. <laughs> Yes, but there's way more stuff to Google about you than there is about me. And if you Google well, him, then you find a really unattractive, unflattering. As my daughter un- pointed out. Her, yes. She came through. She's like, hey, I Googled you. It's a very unflattering photo. Daughter, but I Googled you. And I was like, got a, Josephine. Does he have a fake picture smile on? I don't know. I'll, I'll be well, right back. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a screenshot from a podcast, and I'm in mid-sentence like talking, and it's... Not a great she was whole, she was so just like chill about it too, like cutthroat. <laughs> well, no, it can't yeah. be any worse than your teenage son coming home and saying, "Dad, I found out what her name is all about." <laughs> 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 so if I Google James Lewis reptile, the first thing that comes up is a picture of Travis uh, Travis Wyman. Ah, <laughs> Fuck you, Travis. Uh, and that is like one of the best photographs of him ever. Yes. His wife did a phenomenal it's job the only on that. Good shoot. photo of Travis. I love it. <laughs> Fucking Travis Wyman. I uh, love it. All right. Thank Turn you guys for coming on. James you guys hang on while he disconnects the broadcast. That is definitely not me. But it's a hey, focus. Sorry. Okay. Yep, yep, hey. Love you guys. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. And we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much for having See you later, later, guys. Thank y'all. See y'all, Lafayette. No. no. Wait, what day is that? I don't know. It's the uh, first weekend Woody, of November. Woody said no. The Woody already no. said no. He <laughs> may, may be there, but I won't be there. I'll, I'll show up and hang out. I don't know. What's, what's new? We knew you were going to work there. <laughs> I mean, don't you do the same thing, James? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> well, even if you showed up to work, you weren't going to work. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. Good night, everybody. Thank y'all for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.